we the jury find through the lens guilty of being the movie podcast at Weagle. That's like Weagle, just not spelt the same. And we, the jury, sentenced them to two consecutive life sentences at Shawshank Penitentiary. Today on Through the Lens, we'll get busy living or get busy dying. Maybe dance cheek to cheek, who knows? And we will see some tricks performed by Mr. Jingles, all on today's special episode. You can call it the Frank Darabont special, the prison episode, the Steve, Stephen King adaptation episode, what have you. But today we'll be talking about the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile. But first, before we get locked up and try to dig our way out, we have to find some news. Alex? Davis, you get better at it each mm. week. That's just spectacular. Always the highlight of the show. And also, this week we were joined by Will Root, the music director of Weagle 91.1 of him and host of Why So Serious. Yes, that's the name of the show. That is correct. We should have got right. for the Dark Knight. Just, just to make sure. Ooh, really? Ah, yes, that would have been, so been excellent. But Will, thank you for joining the show. We're uh, great. It's great to have you. Of course. I'm happy to be here. I've always wanted to come on the show. So there you go. And Glad we- I get to... Come in today. And we hear you're a big fan of Shawshank and the Green Mile. I actually am. Um, my mom was a huge, or I guess still is a huge uh, Stephen King uh, fan as far as the books go. So whenever a new movie would come out, or I guess she'd always show me a lot of the Stephen King adaptation movies, and that's kind of where I got it. And these are two of the big ones, absolutely. Do you have any oh, information yeah. on if she saw these in theater? Uh, I do not know for sure if she did or not, but... I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to say yes. As, okay. as we'll discuss later, though, not many people did she, see Shawshank in theaters, so she would have been one of the few, hmm. if, that, if that's the case. But as Davis said, we're going to talk about Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mob, both Frank Darabont movies, both prison movies. That's what they're Frank naming my da- document. Da- there's Mask LeBron, there's Untucked Kyrie, there's Hoodie Mello, and then there's Frank Darabont when he's making a prison movie. Absolutely. This or man, Frank Darabont when he's ad- adapting a Stephen King this, novel. This man, this man has done like three things, and two of these are Oscar-worthy films in The Green Mile and Shawshank. Looking forward to talking about these. But first and foremost, as always, we got to start off with some news and quite a bit of news to discuss today. And we'll be talking about whatever happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock yesterday, <laughs> talking about the trailers for Men and the trailer for The Offer, as well as... Other rumors, including Nicolas Cage's stance on National Treasure 3 and a lot, lot more. But first and foremost, guys, I think you all saw it. Will Smith got in a bit of an entanglement last night with mm, Chris Rock. Classic. Oh, wait. I forgot most importantly before all this, guys. We got the trivia question from last week. I got to give the answer. And Davis, you tried to answer last week. Will, we'll see if you knew, you know this one. What Western film oh, no. stars Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer as Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday? Will, do you got anything? Pass. Pass? Okay, Tombstone. Davis, you've got it yet again. Woo! Wow. Wow. Yes, that's right. Tombstone, the 1993 Western movie, in my opinion, one of the best ones that there is. I love I was that watching. Movie. I was reading something that had Wyatt Earp in it yesterday. Was it Was it the movie Wyatt Earp? No. Oh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, yeah, this is an awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, I mean, I really like it. I think you've seen it, Davis. Mm-hmm. And, Will, I'm guessing you have, have not, not seen it. I have not seen it. I watched a video now. where they go to the, the OK Corral Saloon, whatever it's called, and they try to talk to the ghost of Wyatt Earp. Ooh. You didn't answer. That's that uh, shockingly not. No answer. Not. Shockingly not. Yeah, when I was at my uh, my grandma's this weekend, she's a big fan of this movie, and she kept quoting the uh, Kurt Russell line where he's like, I'm coming for you, and hell's coming you, with me. Say, you, you, you could be my Huckleberry. What is it? No, I'm your Huckleberry. You that's, the, that's the Doc Holliday line. That's an iconic line. But yeah, that's the trivia question from last week, and of course, we'll end today's show with another trivia question. We don't Not answer it. We don't answer it yet. I was about to say, well, we it's do for not answer week. the trivia so question. So if you know the answer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of answering uh, okay, question. Cool. I'm not going to ruin it for the audience. Excellent, worry. excellent. Now, with that done, it's time to talk about the news. And as I said, Will Smith got into a bit of an entanglement, I say in quotes, 
with Chris Rock last night. Going to give some background for those who didn't see this because, as we've discussed before, who does watch the Oscars? Not many people I didn't. Anymore. I wasn't watching it live. I, I also was not. I was on it pretty quick, though, because uh, someone I, I follow on Twitter tweeted about it. Vince Staples. And I, of course, was was following it because Davis immediately texts me and says, did you see Will Smith slap Vince Chris Staples Rock? tweeted out like immediately after. And like He was like, y'all sleeping on the Fresh Prince. I, I, I did not. Will, did you see anything about this last night? I couldn't get off Twitter. It was honestly. insane. It was it's just... Some of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. It was one of the... I guess we talked about it before, but like uh, the day we found out Twenty One Savage was British, mm-hmm. that was one of the it's top a, ones. It's a British catalyst moment. It's one of the top, or it's a, it's a Twitter catalyst moment. It is. Me. It's just one of those days where like the tweets keep rolling in. Like you can't go more than one or two without seeing a meme or just something about the show. And then there was a lot of Amy Schumer last night too on Twitter as well. Which apparently because she dressed up as Spider Man and it was bad. What? Oh no! I think everything she did last night yeah. was terrible. Well, Jake Gyllenhaal was rolling his eyes at it. Oh, there was so <laughs> there was. We a, don't like Jake though. Before, Remember that. We but there was like a Jake. photo going around on Twitter of like all the actors' reactions, and it was like in a grid. Did you see that one, Will? I saw that one this That's, morning. Yes, that is not from last night. That is from like three years ago when La La Land won over Moonlight. Yeah. It was a mistake. So that was fake. Ooh, and so people are just been passing around because I looked some at fake it. Fake news. Because I didn't immediately recognize this the La La Land one. And I was like, first, first of all, I was like, Ryan Gosling looks a little young in that one. They, yeah, they, a lot of all, them why, a little different. And I was like, why is he standing up on stage? You could see he was kind of standing. Mm-hmm. I was like, and people were like, oh my god, I'm so Ryan Gosling in this. And I was like, that's uh, that is definitely not from tonight. Yeah, I would agree. There, uh, there were there were two. I tweets, was skeptical. Two tweets that I saw that were pretty funny, and it was the uh, you know the selfie they took a few years ago yeah, that yeah, like, yeah. kind of broke the internet, quote unquote. They uh, Os- broke the internet. Yes, well, the Oscars tweeted that out, and they said, is any moment topping this? <laughs> and then there was another one of some guy back in 2016 who was like, Will Smith has to punch Chris Rock. He just, or he just has to. Oh, And then <laughs> he that. quoted Thanks, it and was like, well. <laughs> I was seeing some, some of the funniest tweets I've seen. Yeah, Dude that- walked him down like this JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. Oh, my That's Lord. one I really liked. So here's the rundown for those who did not see it. So essentially, Chris Rock, he wasn't the host, but he was on stage just doing like a stand-up routine and leading into ho- to presenting an award. Is that is that correct? Y- yes. Okay, he, yeah. was, he was doing the documentary award. So Rock- and he, made an, he had made a joke. He was like, he was making a, I think it was maybe at Javier Bardem because that's who the camera yes, was on. He, he was like, he's hoping Will Smith wins, and Will Smith laughed, and then he like looked at Jada. I, yeah, and then and then this brings into the joke about Jada Pinkett Smith, where I'm not going to give you the direct quote, but he essentially says Jada, GI Jane two can't wait to see you in it or whatever, and has, the camera yeah. and the camera. I'm gonna get that, and the okay, camera cuts to Will, and Will that. is laughing, and the background for this is Jada Pinkett Smith is going bald because of a disorder known as alopecia, which she revealed her diagnosis in 2018 and has been struggling with hair loss issues ever since then because that is a disease that affects a lot of people. And that's the joke is, I don't know if Chris Rock knew that, but Chris Rock makes that joke. Will Smith is laughing at it. And then Jada, I'm not sure if he was laughing at that or still kind of laughing at the other one because he I, slipped it in there really quick. He did, he did, but I, I don't know. And then Jada does not look happy yeah. at all. And then it cuts away. Chris is like, it was a nice one or whatever. And then Will Smith's walking up, up on stage and Chris Rock is like, Kind of like he's like, whoa, he's, he's coming up. He probably thought be? he was going to come up there and make a joke. Yeah, like I'm going to like get in his face and do some dramatic thing, which is what people have done before with the Oscars, Like, and that's as a skit or whatever. And then Will Smith just slapped him, and then he sat back down, and on the Japanese version of the show, apparently, that was that was released by somebody that ha- did not have censoring, Will Smith said to Chris Rock twice, keep my wife's name out your expletive mouth. Then he yelled it again. Lupita Nyong'o was behind him, very confused, and... Yeah, so the big question is, was this real or fake, guys? No, it was real. I don't know. This is real. What do you think, Will? All I'm saying is that if someone hits me like that in front of Zoe Kravitz, 
That's what I'm saying. They're 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 not walking they, off that stage. Somebody said somebody said if it was Dave Chappelle, Chappelle would have been in his third uninterrupted hour of Jada oh Pinkett Smith jokes, goodness. which is true. You know, Chris Rock he Dave almost Chappelle did. Would be still be crying about did it. Did you did you hear Chris say I could have, and then he just he just like cut it off because I mean, yeah, I saw someone made a tweet. He's like he could have he could have whipped out the. If he's this mad in March, imagine him in August. He could have he whipped out any joke about the dang Red Table Talk show, which is a whole other can of worms we don't even need to get into right now. But, um, yeah. And it's all very divided because Denzel and Tyler Perry were seen comforting Will Smith. That was a tweet from Simon Feinberg. And, like, then, then Tiffany Haddish said uh, it was a beautiful moment, apparently. So Everybody cheered when Will Smith won and when his nomination video came up. Yeah. So. Um... Somebody did say this. This is maybe the last thing we talk about it for is that it sets a dangerous precedent of random audience members thinking they could just walk up on stage and slap comedians whenever they want, which is a good point. But yeah, this is crazy. Well, the Oscars are thinking about taking his Oscar back, apparently. I mean, which is, first of all, that's crazy that that would be the one that makes them take an Oscar back, not like, you know, Roman Polanski. Well, so it's all about violating the code of conduct while you're at the show is the mm, idea. I don't think, I think that's... I, I agree the rule is dumb. I, I agree with you, Davis. I'm just saying that's why If Roman Polanski it. can keep his Oscar, then Will Smith should be able this to is, keep this his. This is, this is day, day 47 of Davis on Through the Lens telling us how bad Roman Polanski is. I just want y'all to know, to, Roman Polanski's not a good I mean, guy. what do you think of the joke? Is the joke okay? Like, uh, I mean, like... So, first of all, I think I think Chris Rock and Will Smith are going to be fine after this because that was just like a bro slap. Like your friend steps out of line, you give him like a, a quick punch or something. Well, yeah, but then I think, I think I like he's not pressing charges or anything. Well, yeah, because that's a whole thing. He probably he probably think, wants it to go away. Have y'all ever, y'all ever seen like a bro slap? Not bro, like like your friend steps out of line, so you like either like you just kind of. I think I've been on the receiving you, ends of a few of those before. So. I don't think I've, I've ever hit well. somebody, but I've been like, hey man. I like I'll give him a little snide comment back and then well, he he did up. more than a snide comment. But I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's analogous. Fair enough, fair enough. My my take on the whole thing is that I don't really there there's lots of people trying to get political with the comments and I just kind of stay away from that. I'm just going to admire admire the fact that it was a funny event. It was pretty funny. And I'm just going to let it go and I mean I'll laugh at it. It was funny, but I'm not going to really Make any official statements. I wasn't I will. I was in <laughs> shock. I'll tell you what. I I can't like, believe it. I saw the tweet. I was like, "What in the?" I thought it. I thought it was staged, and then I saw the video of him yelling at Chris Rock. I was like, "Okay, this is real." Yeah, because the yelling is what I was like. Okay, I don't know about that, but yeah, that's that happened. Which, speaking of, I guess we can talk about the Oscars a bit. Not much because we didn't do an Oscar episode. Coda won. We did best picture. Bro, I'm getting there. Will Smith won best actor. Stop it. Go ahead and get the rest of your Um, news. Anyway, so yeah, as he said. Will Smith won Best Actor. Dune led the way with six Oscar wins, including Best Visual Effects and Best Original Score. Hans Zimmer wins an Oscar. Good for him. But some people are angry because they said that No Way Home should have won Best Visual Effects. Somebody even said, wish we could have seen some love for those uh, box office hits. And I'm like, isn't the $2 billion enough? I don't know. Also, the visual effects in No Way Home is not good. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this. Will, I don't know know what your thoughts are on the visual effects of No Way Home, if you even saw No Way Home. I did, yes. Oh, yeah. Have I you like, seen the aftermath now it has an HD release? Because now everybody's like pointing out because they can actually see the CGI. I have not seen Ooh. any of the. I saw it in theaters one time, and I, mean, I, okay. I thought the whole mirror dimension part was actually pretty cool. That's that true. Part no, of yeah, the yeah, whole, good. That sequence of the whole movie was pretty nice. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually seen Dune yet, so I don't really know if I can make a comparison. I feel like it's been out for a while, but I haven't well, I, actually I, sat down. I will say that Dune is better looking than Spider-Man Anyway. Home. Yeah, and there's, there's yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree as well. And again, visual effects are more than just CGI. There's a lot of like practical mm-hmm. effects that come in and lighting and stuff like that. And Dune knocks that out of the park. 
So Dune led the way, and then Jessica Chastain won for Best Actress for the Eyes of Tammy Faye, and then, as David said, Coda won Best Picture. But again, we didn't watch the Oscars, and not many people have lately, as we, we've discussed before. Last year was a down year. We'll see what the ratings come out when they do for this episode. But any more thoughts on the Oscar before we move on to other things going on in the world of pop culture? Davis, Will, anything at all? Hmm. I don't have anything. I, I saw Batman on Friday. Ah, well, actually, I, I, that actually leads into a something we have about Batman. So you have you seen the deleted I saw for the scene third from time. that? I have, wow. not, I have not seen the deleted scene. So a deleted scene has just been released from the Batman Wait, with uh, Barry Keoghan playing the Joker. Are we a spoiler podcast? Yes, everything's everything's. Uh, there's a spoiler warning automatically because I mean yeah, we're talking about two movies that are twenty, thirty years old. So wonderful, right ahead. wonderful. Okay, well, I don't know. I just after watching that. And then kind of, because my friends, we were discussing whether or not it was better or worse than Spider-Man. Ah. And I was saying, well, in my opinion, I liked it a lot better than Spider-Man, just watching the movie. And I was like, you know, I really like how DC, I've never really been a DC guy, but I went into this movie with an open mind. And I was like, you know, I think it'll be a good time. And I really, really like the fact that DC can produce lots of standalone movies without having to connect them all together. I agree. Yeah. And I also think that No Way Home was really I mean, a lot of the Marvel, it was all driven on nostalgia, which mm-hmm. I guess I'm a big Star Wars fan. And you can see how that kind of has made the franchise go down a little bit. Just like trying to play on nostalgia a lot, which did really kind of took away from the actual story they were trying to go for. And yeah. Batman was a standalone. Like they didn't even go back and like talk about his origin story. Yeah. They just kind of jumped right in like, oh, he's already a vigilante. Like he's already an established person. And I really like that about the movie. Like they didn't do what all the other movies have done before. They did something different. Yeah, I agree. That's actually, that's something that we didn't even they touch know. on during our episode, but that's a very good point, actually. I, I think really, the thing I is really with like Spider-Man, that. if you're not a Spider-Man fan, mm-hmm. it's not going to make any sense to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like I mean, we we are Spider- I mean, I've seen the Tobey Maguire yeah. ones 35 times each oh, yeah. at this point. I, I know I mean, like I, the back I, of my I hands. I grew up watching those movies. Yeah, exactly. So it was, it was really awesome for me to see, like, I really love the movie. I'm not going not gonna to hit on the movie, but... I just think that it was very nostalgia based, yeah, and also, like it, and it won't stand the test of time. If you're not exactly. in, yeah. if you're not already mm-hmm. in on the Marvel train, then you're like exactly because people are like, who's this guy? Who's this blind guy? It, yeah, it, like, it, get, it gets harder and harder to watch Marvel movies with the more movies that I don't watch because I mean I'm not going to go through and watch every single Marvel movie. Like they don't interest me as much. Like I'm not a huge superhero fan. Like I'm not going to go in and watch them just because it's a superhero movie. But. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a second. No, I get you. I, I think I think you were just like talking about how like it's kind of you know the connection thing. It was cool at yeah. first, but it's kind of lost exactly. its like, luster like and been more of a when, chore. When, when it was the first Avengers, when it was I guess Iron Man, Captain America, like maybe five movies connected together. But now it's every single one, so yeah. you got to keep up. And it's I like, well, you. there's a post credit scene. Like, what movie's coming next? Why do I have to catch up? Yeah, I, don't know, I, like, I think that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are. We've got our own MCU fatigue just because the all like not even the fact that it's connections. The fact that all the movies have this same style. They're all the it's same all, jokes. They're all the same kind of plot. It's all too cartoony for me. Yeah, that's fair. And I mean, Bat, the Batman is the opposite of that. If Batman was incredible. Yeah, I I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm. Very I'm glad. glad. That, very Excellent. glad that JP convinced me to go out there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So did you guys go together to see it then? Okay, because you had said you'd seen it the third time. I was wondering if that was the same time. But that I plan on seeing in. it fourth as well. Oh, I might Lord. have to go back. Bro, it's honestly. coming out on HBO Max on April 19th. Just wait. Never mind. I won't have to go back. There you go. Thank I, you, Will. Well, the, 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 in, the in theater experience is so that's good. That's true. That's true. But anyway... This leads into the deleted scene that they just released. Uh, it is a because you saw you I'm you saw the scene where the Riddler is talking to in theory the Joker. Yes. In uh in, in the prison theory. cell, and it has been confirmed to be the Joker. I'm, not, I'm I, I went in theory, and I'm saying it's confirmed. And so the, they've released a deleted scene of Barry Keoghan and uh, as the Joker 
and the Batman, Robert Pattinson, goes to him in his prison cell and, like, takes a bunch of information to him to, like, say, what do you think about the Riddler? And did you see this scene, Davis? Yes. And, Will, you have not, so I'm going to try my best to describe it. Essentially, it's like a scene from Science of the Lambs where Clarice Starling goes to Hannibal Lecter and is like, here's the information on a serial killer. Let me know what you know because you're a serial killer. So he goes to the Joker and is like, hey, what can you tell me about the Riddler from all this information? And I got to say, Davis, you saw it. This scene was amazing. And I loved it. if you notice, there was three paper clips when he handed him the paper, and when the Joker handed it back, there's only two. Which is maybe how he gets out? Who knows? But yeah, Definitely what did you think about the uh, Kyogen's Joker design? Well, you only saw half of his top or bottom half, but people have been like yeah. stitching them together on Twitter, and it makes him look a little goofy. Yeah. But I think I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. it. I'm fine. It's, an, it's, a new, it's a new version. And, Will, for, for uh, your information in this one, the Joker's smiling thing is because of a, like, Medical Medi- disorder yeah. that he has that like contorts his face to look like that. So it's a very strange one. If you want to look up pictures for it, you certainly can. I'm, I'm currently doing that right now because it's 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 strange looking and it's not like anything we've ever seen before. Kind of reminds me the most of the Jack Nicholson one in the fact that it's like you know his face is st- struck that way. But I really really liked this this scene. I'm glad they didn't put it in the movie. Yeah, because it basically laid out every single theme of the movie. Reeves, yeah, it's it's very heavy handed in. It's very exposition I, I feel I like, think. I feel like Reeves never planned on putting this in the movie, but oh, he yeah. still shot it. Yeah, I think he shot it, you know, it's almost like a screen test, like how is Kyogen and, and Pattinson going to mesh? And I think they do. I really, really liked it. But anyway, if nobody else has anything else to add on that, we can move on. And we will. So onward to, speaking of the MCU and MCU fatigue, Disney is developing a Nova project for the MCU. Hmm. Nova's a cool hero, but... You know, where's there, there's got to be justification for this, right? There's got to be some kind of tie-in because other than that, well, I mean, you, I, I don't Nova think the, Corps, the Nova Core is already in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true. He's already been hinted at, but like, there's got to be something else. I think to justify it because that thing is, you know, we talked about with the Batman with these solo movies. They all tell a unique story. These are all the same. So what's the justifying factor here? I'm not very excited for it at all, Davis. I'm I don't. I don't really care about anything Marvel right now. That's fair. To be, That's to be fair. honest, I'm very uninterested. I care about in Doctor Strange too. And I'm just getting to that actually. That's because, really all I care about. Because speaking of Doctor Strange too, so the first trailer for Avatar two will be yeah. is rumored to be releasing with Ooh. with Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness this May. It releases on May sixth. Avatar two finally coming out later this year in December after years of development. Who knows what principal photography that film started on in 2017. Zoe Zaldana has said she's seen a rough cut or 20 minutes of the film and it brought her to tears. <laughs> she also claims that she also claims that James Cameron has mastered water, meaning which <laughs> is, it, is sounds this one underwater. I, I think that I saw that quote. It somewhere. sounds weird, but essentially the idea is the fact that water itself, in terms of CG, has never been perfectly done. There's always been flaws here and there. Just use regular water. Well, yeah, but in with with as much motion capture tech they have, they can't really film on I the think open. They've ocean. already kind of. In some ways, master the look of without using water, because like there's that movie where they True. put him in the suit, but he's not in water. But they have like the the dust kicking up from the air, and it looks like he's just walking around underwater in the suit. Was that a Deep, good point. Deep Horizon, whatever it is? No, no, no. no. Deep Water Horizon's about the the. Oh, um, never mind. That, it's one of those type doing. of movies, like the shark or something. Oh yeah, 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 with like Kristen Stewart. No, no, different movie. Lawrence Fishburne, maybe. Well, we'll look into that. We'll look into that and we'll look at that later. But yeah, that trailer's coming out. I'm kind of excited for this movie. A lot of people don't really like the first Avatar, but I thought it was really cool and I kind of want to know where they go next. I feel like there's a lot to explore with Pandora. I feel like it looked really good at the time, but like the story is pretty 
uninspired. True. Yeah, I, I never understood how it was the highest grossing movie. I guess it's maybe what was it, two thousand nine? It was that pretty it came revolutionary out? for the. It was for very, the effects. very cool. I remember I was. I mean, I was nine years old. I, yeah, I was I stoked. Was, for I thought it was kid. incredible. Yeah. But I mean, I go back and I watch it, and it's really like you said, it's really not that special, honestly, as it, far as. As far as the story goes, anyway, it's just it's like any other movie. I mean, it was the largest amount of CGI used on any film ever. It mm-hmm. was very historic. I mean, it's the same way Titanic made all that money, because let's be honest, Titanic is just Romeo and Juliet on a boat. That's the plot of that movie. <laughs> we we talked about this two years ago, Davis, when uh when we wrote a, I think me and you wrote a review for it uh, on Weagle's website. I don't know yeah, like, that. That like that movie, the plot itself is not very inspiring, but the CGI at that time was revolutionary and same for this. Now, the question is, he's got to match it because if it looks just like your run-of-the-mill film, you know, if it doesn't look better than Dune, you're, you're losing, essentially, because you got to have a plot to match up. If the CGI is not there, the movie's already behind the eight ball, in my opinion. But we'll see. I'm looking forward to this trailer because, you know, after going on the Avatar ride at Disney World, I'm not going to lie, my hype is there. It wasn't the there, and then I, went, then I went on the Avatar ride at Disney World, and that is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. I so. haven't been to Disney since they put in all the new Star Wars and Avatar stuff, so I'm I'm way out of the loop when it comes to that kind of Well, thing. the Avatar ride is unreal, cool. I've heard, honestly. I've it's, heard lots of good things. It's something else. It's hard to describe, but we'll look forward to that coming out. Again, Multiverse of Madness releasing in theaters on May 6th. And then onward, we got a lot more to go, but just some small things. According to Variety, a sequel to Godzilla vs. King Kong will begin filming later this year. Ugh. Fun. <laughs> sequels, sequels, and more sequels. I don't know how you... Is it going to be, like... I don't know where it's going to go, but is I guess there we'll a, see. Is there a monster in Godzilla named Galera? There, I know there's Ghidorah. Yeah. Well, Gojira is Gojira. That's, that's Godzilla's name in Japanese. Well, that well that that solves everything. Okay, thank you, Davis. Um, also, Davis, you're gonna love this. A new Witcher game is in development. I that's know. right. This is our first video game news that's not a TV show. Exciting, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll see. CD how it Project goes. Red kind of fumbled the bag with Cyberpunk 2077. Fair, fair point, fair point. But maybe but they can the bounce back. The Witcher Three is so amazing. Maybe, yeah, I exactly. trust them. And maybe they can bounce back. Well, when it comes to video games, what are your thoughts on Starfield's potential release coming up in November? I mean, they've been working on it for a decade, so it better be something. They're, that, they're, Starfield, we're, we're, the one that, that was. It's, we're waiting for like Elder Scrolls. It's, it's the new Bethesda game that they oh. are releasing in November, and they've been on it for. Ever. Yes. And I think that I mean it's one that I'm really excited about. Knowing knowing Bethesda though, they're gonna let me down really hard. I, I think I think Bethesda has a stretch here where they're gonna have this release and then two or three years after they're gonna have Elder Scrolls six. They have a chance to save their reputation, but if when, they don't, they're gonna be done. All I'm saying is I told my girlfriend that um she's not gonna see me very much as soon as Elder Scrolls Six comes out. Starfield so. seems like an incredible premise. I look forward mm-hmm. to it. But again, the hype for Elder Scrolls Six is still. I'm gonna there be honest, for me. I haven't heard about Starfield. Really? It, somehow. They, you haven't heard much. That thing is because they haven't they haven't released anything about the it. The only information is the fact that people will ask about Elder Scrolls Six and they're like that's gonna come after Starfield, and that's exactly. how you hear it's about just, it. Um they haven't really said anything about it. They released one little teaser trailer, but it wasn't it was just like it was, a picture. It was like a video yeah. of space. It was like, yeah, and it was like, yeah, it was very, very minimal. But yeah. maybe it'll be cool. I, I think I like the premise. I like the What's idea. The premise is what it's I'm, like. It's so it's like essentially taking Skyrim, is, Fallout, is, that free roam aspect. It's the being, Elder Scrolls, but it's in like, space. Is, it not just yeah. out, is that not just Outer Worlds that came out like two years ago? Uh, maybe. Which was just Fallout in space. Maybe. I I don't know actually. This does look kind of cool. I know it is rendered. Well, Outer Worlds is only on. Oh no, it didn't did come out. Everything. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, maybe. 
Well, I won't be able to play. I don't have an Xbox. So. That's a, that's unfortunate. Oh yeah, because Bethesda did get bought by Microsoft, which There's shifts the only whole six companies remain. This is hmm. I think we're stretching your monopoly territory, but maybe that's a discussion for another day. Um, onward to other things in the news. We only got three more things to go. A trailer for A24's Men was released. It's starring Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear and directed and written by Alex Garland. The film hits theaters on May 20th. The synopsis reads, A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside after the death of her ex-husband. Davis and Will, you just watched it. What are your thoughts? Looked pretty cool. The same guy that made Annihilation, which is supposed to be phenomenal. Oh, uh, yeah. And... I don't remember the other one he made. It looks scary. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right looks now. Interesting. Looks scary. Looks like it looks like an A24 movie to me. Scary. I don't think it's gonna be as scary as Hereditary. Well, yeah, because Hereditary is the scariest thing ever. I'm but. very skeptical about most scary movies because most of them are just garbage, in my really? opinion. What are your um, thoughts on Hereditary? I didn't think it was very scary. Whoa. Honestly, Whoa. Um, I like the. I kind of read into what the ending meant of Hereditary. I thought it was pretty interesting the way they did that, but honestly, I just thought it was just. A lot of scary movies, they kind of just drag along trying to make you scared without actually doing anything really Fair. scary, if that makes any sense, yeah. honestly. Um, and then there's other movies like It and It Part 2 where they just try to, oh, here's a jump scare. Oh, yeah. Here's another I jump agree. scare. I don't know. It Part 2 was weak. It part, I was like, It Part 1, I was like, okay, thumbs up. It Part 2, I was like, nope. It Part 2 was, because it just redid it'd a lot of the scary, same It'd be scary, and then it'd be like, oh, here's a kooky little joke It's also like you. three hours long. Yeah, you know? It Part 2 was, eight, yeah, long. that was, we saw that in theaters, Davis, together, I think. Mm, maybe. Yeah, like, that, that was that was uh, one of the movies we saw in theaters in Auburn before pandemic struck. I don't know, it's... Okay, I don't remember that, but okay. Hereditary was... I believe you. It was one of the better scary movies. I thought that, uh, what was it? Uh, Midsummer. I also like. Awesome. I also like Midsummer. That's a lot. not. That one's not as scary to me. They're, it's different. It's not that they're really scary. They're just psychological. I, I don't think of them as like a horror movie. It's just like a something that makes you think a little. Stressful. Bit. Yeah. The thing is with Hereditary, I agree with you for the most part, but that is the only movie that's given me nightmares. Really. Since I was like a kid. Really. That ending was crazy. Like, I remember I watched it for the show. Like we did an episode on it, and I watched it with Chris. Everybody knows Chris. Yeah, because Chris, Chris, like, Chris drew on the show for that. Episode. And then oh yeah yeah, and then I like I walked outside and it was dark mm. and like. I was like pretty close to terrified. Like I did not. I was like I did not want to walk mm-hmm. back to my place because it was dark in like the little corners of the place. Mm-hmm. I was scared. Yeah, I was, it's I, it's a scary it's, one. It's just whenever I think of a scary movie, I think of like uh, Annabelle and The Conjuring, and and I, I I hate those movies. Like I I just don't find any enjoyment out of watching. I don't know. I just I just don't like the whole jump scare and just. Oh, here's a scary doll. Um, we're gonna play on these stereotypes. Have you ever know. seen The Descent? I have not seen The Descent. That's a good one. That, that one's, one's not really jump scary. My, my my rule of thumb for scary movies is watching with like a group of people because then it's kind of a fun experience. Watching by yourself because it's like, oh, I'm just scared by myself in the dark. This is not a, fun. A lot, like so. A lot of these times, I'll watch them with my family. So it'll be like me, my mom, my dad, my brother. My brother's the same way as me. So we just go through. We kind of make fun. Like we pick apart scary movies and just ha- we go at it. It's there it's, you go. it's pretty fun. I don't know. I like it. That's fair. I don't know, I'm just not. A, I'm not a huge fan of scary movies. I'm more a fan of a psychological movie. I, I get you. Well, this movie looks like a bit of both. So I'm looking forward to this one myself because A24 has never done us wrong so far. I doubt Boom. they will there in the go. future. And moving on to our last bits of news, according to Nicolas Cage, National Treasure Three will not be happening. Good. Sadness. Are you kidding Let me? It die. I will say, Nicolas Cage's new movie, um, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, looks hilarious. I really want to see it. I love Nicolas Cage. He's funny. He, he plays himself. He's a little crazy. Uh, he bought a mausoleum for himself, apparently. I don't know how that's going. Um, but yeah, I'm look- looking forward to that movie. But rest in peace, National Treasure 3. 
I was looking Dang. forward to that one. I know, sadness. That is very sad. Indeed. And the last trailer of this news segment for the Godfather documentary, The Offer. It's starring Miles Teller, Matthew Good, Juno Temple, and many more. The series, series, is it a series? Will premiere to Paramount Plus on April 28th. Oscar-winning producer- Ain't nobody got that. That's true. Alex That's true. does, and I have his. I do, because I gotta watch I the Halo TV series. You are the two people in Auburn who have the Paramount one. Plus. Look, I got the his, one and a half. Parents. The one and a half people Look, in Auburn. Look, man, I gotta watch Halo. I'm sorry. Uh, this this series will follow the Oscar-winning producer Albert S. Ruddy's never-before-revealed experiences of making The Godfather. A-list cast looks at it. It involves also how the mob tried to shut down The Godfather because it made the mob look bad, apparently. So that's, oh, it yeah. made the that's mob what look made the bad. mob look bad. Well, you know, mm. okay, the mob is historically stupid, so like, it checks Valentine's out. Not the Valentine's Day Mask or anything. Yeah, like, it the, checks out. The Godfather did. They're, they're not smart people. They're like, you make us look like dogs is the quote in the, in, in the, uh, in the series. Apparently, is it a series? I thought it was a movie. Well, if it's on Paramount Plus, I'd imagine it's a series. The, okay, you oh, said yeah, it, you, it is a mini series. You said Halo. The funniest part about the whole Halo thing was watching the NCAA tournament, and all of a sudden you just hear the Halo music come in. You'd be like, "Halo now streaming on." Yep, Paramount Plus. Like, oh, have, awesome. have you started watching it yet, Alex? No, I saw clips and it looks stupid. But I'll save that for another episode. You get to see Master Chief's face. Yay! That's it's what like, I've always wanted. It's like just the Mandalorian, kidding. you can't, you don't want to see this. Face. I got a whole, like a mask. whole thing to yell about well, that. But the Mandalorian says they just came up with this. So like, okay, you can show his face. But Master Chief, what? There's twenty. He's years, never had a face. Twenty years of lore, and the closest we ever got was like a little like cinematic thing to tease it, and you just saw like his forehead. Okay, look, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go here for for two minutes, and then we're gonna call it a day. <laughs> oh, All right, man. I'm done. Oh, man. We right. got him started. I haven't <laughs> watched it. I have not watched. I've seen nothing but clips. But I, got, I got a couple things to say. One, number one, you talk about the not having facing. That's the whole point because Master Chief, in my opinion, is one of the greatest first-person protagonists that there are because he is faceless. He could be anybody. He can be played by anybody. He is. I mean, he's just. He is himself. You don't see his face. I mean, his voice in the first game he barely speaks, which allows the player to become. So I love it. Now, the only reason, in my opinion, they took off his helmet is because they didn't want to copy the Mandalorian. Who cares? Tell your own story. Nobody cares. Also, the only people watching this garbage show are the fans of the game. So and it's you. not like and you. yes. Well, he's a fan of the I'm game. A, bro, I'm a fan of the game. Okay, uh, he's a big Halo big, fan. big Halo he guy over here. Big Halo guy over here. So that that's that. Then Whoa. then not to mention you got these producers, these guys in charge. Like we didn't look at the game. They wanted to you know tell their own story. Yeah yeah. We didn't look at the game. Half of the show is stuff pulled from the game. You got the shield charge up sound effect is ripped directly from the game. You got them going in first person constantly. If you didn't pull from the game, then why did you very clearly pull from the game? Do one or the other. I don't care if you didn't pull from the game or you did. Just pick one. And then the CGI is awful. They got a Chevy Tahoe in the back. He throws down. No, Google. Okay, do me a favor and Google the clip of him. Actually, no, Google the assault rifle CGI. You'll know it'll come up. He throws down a gun and they CGI'd it to the ground. Please look this up right now if y'all can because you got to see this nonsense. Because I saw this clip and I couldn't believe myself when I saw it. I, 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 couldn't, I could not comprehend what I saw. Are you found it, Davis? Uh, this isn't it. The CGI assault rifle from Halo. That's all you got to look up. It should show up. It didn't. Really? So I'm, I'm getting hung up on the new bit chisel in Minecraft. Okay. There's a what? There's a bit chisel. You can now shave the blocks down. I think that's a mod. It probably is. That's I'm a, just, that's, I'm just looking. I'm looking at this video right now, and it just looks crazy. This man's building. I was wondering if you're watching Minecraft. I am. I'm, I'm watching. I'm rewatching this video over and over and over again. Let me look, see it, Alex. Interesting. Huh. He threw it to the ground, and it became CGI. What is that? Awesome. I'm, I'm angry about it. Anyway, we can move on. It's time to. It's time to get going onto these prison movies. We've been here for 30 minutes. It's a good time, but I think it's time to move on. So. 
as Davis alluded to, not alluded to, directly mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about Frank Darabont's Stephen King adaptations, The Shawshank Redemption, and The Green Mile. We'll start first with The Shawshank Redemption because it was released first. That seems right. There you go. 1994. Released 1994. The film has a runtime of 142 minutes, two hours, and 22 minutes. And on a budget of $25 million, the film made only $16 million in its theatrical run. The re-release got it all the way to $73.3 million, and it was nominated for seven Academy Awards, the most for any Stephen King film adaptation that there was. But it did not win in any category. It Ouch. was a pretty stiff competition that year. It was nineteen ninety yeah, nineteen ninety four crazy. Pulp year for Fiction, movies. Schindler's List. Um, I wrote some of them more down. Philadelphia, Forrest Gump. Yeah. You were making out during Schindler's List. <laughs> Seinfeld reference. Oh, good line. I haven't even heard that one. That's that's, that's a good again, episode. You, you don't want to be doing it during that movie of all movies. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> um that's the joke. I I because why? That's a because Jerry's why Jewish. Okay, I didn't even get that part of it. That's even funnier. Yeah, because his, um, his parents are like, you are making out starring Schindler's very, List. very upset about the, uh, I mean, it was their only alone time. I mean, I can I can get both sides. That is a really mm-hmm. funny episode. <laughs> I, I suppose. So this this film written and directed by Frank Darabont and, oh, wait, it's based on the book Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank short Redemption, story. which is a short story that was adapted into the two hour and two minute a uh, film, yes. great cinematography by the GOAT, Roger Deakins, our man. I actually have something about that. Oh, oh, really? I don't think the cinematography is as amazing as Roger Deakins can do. Deakins can There do. were a couple shots that stood out to me. I mean, me. yeah, there's a couple, but like overall, this is like a pretty 1994-looking film. It's a pretty confined setting, though. I, I understand that. But you can, you can, can. I feel like you could do a lot. And I'm not... This is a perfect movie to me. I'm going to go ahead and get that out oh. of the way. It's a 10 out of 10. I don't have that big of an issue with it. But like, I feel if you gave this movie to... like. Matt Reeves for recency bias, but like if you let him and Roger Deakins now like redo the cinematography, I think it'd look phenomenal. For what it's worth, I think this is also a very story focused yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I, it is hundred percent. I don't think it's an issue that it's not visually striking in more than a few scenes. Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. One shot for me in particular is when um, Andy and them ar- arrive. It's after Red and all the prisoners are talking, and then you hear the sirens, and then the camera soars up. Over the and actually, it's when they introduce the prisoners, and the camera soars up over the uh, facade of the prison like complex, and then like looks over. And it's a very impressive sky shot, honestly. It also does a good job of doing scale because you know, scale is a good thing to establish. With the more I think like about, this. there are more shots that come up, like when he's walking up to the tree, or when, I was gonna say that the very ending of the yeah. movie when he's walking to the tree that's one of my favorite parts of the entire yeah. movie, or when, I, when, I mean, it's, when it's it soars awesome. up to see the beach and you see them walk towards each other. Yeah. That's a phenomenal There's, shot, but I think it's more the color, like the color is pretty. It's cold because they're in the prison, but Fair. I feel like they could have done more with the color. Because Roger Deakins now, like Blade Runner 2049, that's primarily color. Like the color of that is what makes it so much good, so much better. That's that's a that's a good I think point. They could have done more. I'm with giving the color. some credit to him just because oh, of the too. limited budget Roger and Deakins the limited awesome. scope. And he's the ghost cinematographer. And the, yeah, absolutely, I, I would agree with that. Just the environment itself is very confined. So there's not a lot to do within it, but I think they do a great they do great work with it regardless. I, I think, think he's come a long way since 1994. I'll say that. Like for for example, I don't know who decides the lighting, but the scene. I'm we're just gonna jump around on this one because again, this movie came out in 1994. I don't think going plot point by plot point is necessary. If you haven't seen this movie, go ahead and watch it. We'll be doing spoiler alert, of course. The scene where the warden confu- confronts Tommy, and both the warden and Hadley are shrouded in like darkness. I don't know if that's Deacon's decision. Or whoever decides that that scene was awesome. He's the as director well. of photography, so I'd I would say it is. I would, okay, that that's fair. I, I would assume so. But this also was one of his uh, 
it's sort of kind of the start of his career was at this point. So this was very early in his career, Davis, for what it's worth. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Okay, that's good. All right, I'm just, just, well, he started in like the 80s, the 70s, actually. But Well, geez, I mean, of, of, his, of his bigger movies, like it really didn't. His first director light. of photography was 1985, Defense of the Realm. Ah, there you go. Only 1985. Wow. Um,. But well, what do you think of this movie? I mean, you you said your mom uh, read the Stephen King novel. You've seen the movie. I don't know how recently, but I think that Shawshank is. I mean, obviously, this is not a very hot take, but it's it's definitely one of my top five movies of all time. Yeah, it's just like it's enjoyable. It it's like it's not it's not action packed really at all, but it's just one that you can watch and you can watch start to finish and just not. Like, you can be into it the entire time. Yeah. Like, there's just something new. And one thing I really like about The Green Mile and Stephen King is it's not just focused on this one character the whole time. Like, every single character has their own story. And they'll, like, go off, like, I guess we'll get to it in The Green Mile, but, like, there's the whole um, scene with the mouse in Green Mile where it just goes on for, like, 30 minutes about this one little mouse. Yeah. It's like, well, you're interested about this one thing. Like, it it goes away from the whole... It seems like it's going away from the whole story, but in reality, it's just going to bring it back to it at the end. And I think Shawshank does that brilliantly. I mean, Brooks is a is a perfect example. The oh, dude is in the movie for maybe two scenes, and then his scene outside of the prison is, in my opinion, what set this movie apart. That's what makes mm-hmm. it the difference from a great movie to like an all timer. Because that scene, I mean, this is a character we met twice. Mm-hmm. He ha- he handed Andy the rock hammer, and then we see him feed the bird, and then he's kind of with Andy to help build the library, but he doesn't really do anything. And then all of a sudden he goes outside and it's like, I mean, I, I, in my opinion, that scene is like it's heartbreaking. Heart- he I doesn't mean, even know where he's at. It's gut wrenching. I mean, institutionalized. Exactly. He said, he, I mean, because yeah, he was there since 1905. That's when he, that's when he entered Shawshank, and he mm-hmm. says, "I once saw an automobile once, but now everyone moves so fast." And the scene when he feeds the birds, and he actually says, "I keep hoping Jake will oh, come to visit," but he doesn't. So that's and then even the storytelling in that scene, in my opinion, is brilliant because. They misdirect you. He's like, I'm leaving. You're like, oh, he's packing up. And then he steps on those chairs and you think, oh, he's going to fall off and accidentally, you know, die. But then it gets a lot worse when he hangs himself. And this movie, it's a big, the prison system sucks message. Yeah, it's, and, not, it's not really subtle, and I think that's okay. And I love it. By all means, tell tell the whole planet that the prison, have Morgan Freeman monologue about inst- what the word institutionalized means. Explain to the audience what that word means. Explain it over and over again for all you need. Because, I mean, it does. And Davis... We were actually going to touch on why this film was a bit of a box office failure at the time. I don't know if it relates to as much to that as it does. I mean, it, it does not that. It's not that particular. But people were tired of prison movies at the really? time. Really? You know, there people are tired of prison movies. Um, I have some more things. Go right ahead. Uh, then where is it? Uh, the actors have been quoted saying that they think the name was too confusing for people. True. Which is an interesting one. But then again, I mean, at the time, did names I. I mean, Tim Robbins, like people would come up to me and be like, "Oh, what was that movie you're in, the Shim Shang, Babim Shin, or whatever?" What what else you gonna call the movie? Honestly, don't shoot the messenger. All right, I'm not. It came out in a time with a lot of competition. It ended up 95th on the domestic box office in 94. Wow, that's that's not ideal. People tired of prison movies, and it did not have any female characters besides his wife that gets killed and the posters. Oh yeah, huh. But I mean, like, again, I feel like it's set in a male prison. I don't have that big of an issue with it. I'm all for like representation of movies. Oh, but I, I think it's in, that a, it's, in a, it's in a male prison. In this case, that's exactly yeah, what it is. I like, think it, it, it just okay. wouldn't make sense. And to I think, have, oh, sorry, go ahead. I said it wouldn't make sense to have a female character in the prison. Like, and it's also set in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, so there would is. not be female correction officers working there. True. Either. 
And the film does does a decent step in representation by casting Morgan Freeman, an African American actor, yeah. in a character of red who is literally a white dude with red hair. He's in Irish. Fact, there's He's the joke. There is the joke. Yeah, which I, I love that joke. I'm I thought it was hilarious. Uh, that that was Morgan. Great, but, I think this is Morgan Freeman is probably one of his best roles. Oh, absolutely. Not his best. He's. I don't like. Probably his most iconic. This, I, feel I was like. gonna say this almost predates his like you know. I'm Morgan Freeman listening to my voice, but like they chose him so perfectly because he narrates the whole movie. Like I usually have issue with narration in movies. I, I wrote but that this down too. one I, I I don't. Like yeah. it, it works. It's Red's basically it feels like Red's telling you a story. It's seamless is how I would describe Red's it. Red's just talking to you. Like whenever there's narration, it's like, oh, this is like like let's not forget the mo- like Andy escapes, you know, in with 30 minutes to go in the film. Then the rest is just Red tying up every loose end and somehow it doesn't feel boring. It doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like, oh, he's narrating for fun. Oh, that's minutes. the best part of the movie. Exactly. Is finding out how he did it and finding out. And how it all goes. And and what happens at the end, like where he, he, he basically made up his own fake persona and then he escapes using that fake person so that he good. made up. It's just incredible. Absolutely. That, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And one thing I'll, I'll say about it, and you, you uh, touched on it a bit, is the fact that it's two hours and 20 minutes, but if so much happens, there's never a dull moment. Honestly, it feels like it, it's longer and in it a good like way. It feels like 10 minutes to me. Like, I sit down, I watch this movie. I've probably seen this like 40 times because I can just rewatch it so many times because it, it gets better every time. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like two hours, 44 minutes. It feels like 30. Yeah. Like absolutely. Green Mile, which I love the Green Mile, that one does feel long. Green I mean, Mile, yeah, no, I, I haven't. So I, I've watched them. I watched Shawshank a lot. Mm-hmm. I've watched Green Mile maybe once or twice before. So I had to go back and rewatch it last night. It was about 10 o'clock when I started the movie and I was like, this is a three hour. Yeah. Eight minute long movie. This is going to take a while, yeah. but by the end, I was very emotional. As as he we'll, does, we'll, 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 we'll certainly get to, get to that as well. I think I think it is. It's just because there's so much that happens and there's never a wasted well, yeah, scene. It's, it's over twenty years in this prison and it, it, it never a wasted. Also, I love how it passes time. It doesn't put a time card. It's always like you know, oh, Red's back in parole, which means it's been ten years since we started, or you know. It took six years to do the library or whatever. I like how it just seamlessly tells us that time's passing rather than just, you know, some movies would just be like spring this time, fall uh, this time. Another great part is kind of how characters cycle in and out. Like you'll get a new inmate or a new, like an inmate will leave. Or it's just, you can kind of see like how that goes without having to actually explain it. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and then there's the whole part where he's in the hole for, I don't even know how long. Months. There's the first time for two weeks and yeah. there's the two months, mm-hmm. which was... Crazy, ridiculous. How long yeah. do y'all th- think y'all could last before you go crazy? Like legitimately? I'd be the Joker in about a week. I, I I give myself a week. I give myself a week. Tops, honestly. But I mean, you know, it, I got to make two. I, I think y'all showing yourselves a little short. I also wondered how. There's only so much you can do with I your know, own voice in but your head. You can listen to music like Andy is mm-hmm. in his oh, brain. One th- yeah. One thing that always kind of interested me was how Norton kind of threw Andy into the hole for so long, and even as such a God-fearing man, didn't even fear any retribution from that. Well, so that's that's um, one thing that I'll say about this is one of the messages I took from this movie is the fact that you know, it's it hits you with all the subliminal or like you know religious messaging with. Rule one of prison is no blasphemy. That's the number one rule of a federal penitentiary, really. That's, like, kind of alarming. But the fact is, even his, you know, his his tapestry made by his wife at Bible study is a mask. Mm-hmm. It's all, I think it's all fake. I think the warden wields the word of God as a weapon to strike fear into people. But I don't think he himself is a true God-fearing man. I don't know. A it, concept. It, I guess this movie doesn't, it, what, it takes place in Maine, right? Yes. yes. It's it's like New England, but I think it yeah, is Maine. So, yeah. 
Norton kind of comes across as one of those like God fearing Southern Baptist characters. Like I, I know it's not necessarily that, but the Bible thumping. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like no, I mean Puritanism is more rooted up north, so it I guess so. That, yeah. Um, but it's just interesting to see, like, like you said, it's just such a God fearing man doesn't expect anything to happen to him. Maybe he wasn't that in the whole I, place. Yeah, I, I think I think he uses that as a weapon because mm-hmm. I mean that's well he, he thinks he himself it. as God because yep. when he comes into the solitary confinement when he's like. I'm not doing it for you anymore. And then he's like, I will cast you down with the sodomites. Yeah, he like he that's literally true. he sees himself as God in that moment. And again, he as I said, he uses that tapestry as just to hide his illegal dealings. It doesn't mean that much. It's just a convenient thing that blocks the the, mm. the safe. I think it's it's all just because he wields it as at people, which I, I yeah, like even like the put your trust in the Lord, but then he tells them that they belong to him. Mm-hmm. So what's the? I mean, he, he he believes he's a deity. Y'all doing the books for him? Y'all cooking the books for Warden? No. I wouldn't be able to. I mean, I'd cook the books for Warden just until I can, you know, m- get him arrested. Interesting. I mean, if it's going to offer me any perks, I don't think Andy really got any perks. Well, he kind of he got, he got the, some favorites. No, he, he got he got protected. I mean, he got bogs sent away. He got pr- he got pr- he got protection and he got a library, but that's all good and well. But I mean, he, I don't think that with all the stuff that he was doing for the Warden, I don't think he really got what he deserved. Honestly. Fair. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I agree. But he didn't again, get his freedom. So. He got, he got, he got, he got protection from Boggs. I'm just saying. Also, as someone who knew, like the the warden knew he was innocent. The warden knew he was an innocent man, and yet he still treated him just that's like everybody selfish. else. So, because the thing is, um, you know, the warden is power hungry, and I love that scene when Andy goes to the warden because, you know, throughout the movie. I think Andy's trying to learn the prison system. You know, he's he, like they say, oh, he's this uptight banker or whatever. He's this wealthy guy. He is that guy, and he has to learn the system. And one of those things becomes when he starts to work with the warden. He thinks it's normal. He thinks the warden is his friend. So then he goes to him. Then the warden is like, "If you're innocent, that means my bookskeeper is out from underneath my thumb." And then you know he says, you're, "Why are you being so obtuse?" And he's like, "How dare you say anything to me?" Essentially, and that's where Andy, you know, realizes he was wrong. And he sort of gets closed off again because he's like, this person was not my friend. Was any of this real? And I think that scene is amazing. I also think, I don't really like Tim Robbins most often, but he's amazing in this movie. He I think he's a good lot. Mystic River as well. I love but him I in just about every movie he's in. He, he does a lot with his eyes. A lot of scenes where he doesn't say a word. And I think that does a lot for this movie. And just, you know, carries it the extra mile, as it were. Oh, One yeah, of my yeah. favorite Tim Robbins roles is uh, Bull Durham. I've never seen that, actually. Oh, it's so good. I don't know. He, he plays just the... Uh, you know the young hotshot pitcher who's just oh, yeah, kind yeah, of up yeah. his own A. There you go. <laughs> Smooth. He's in Zathora. He really? Is. Oh, he is. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. He is. That movie's crazy. Um, that movie freaked me out when I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Being lost in space. Sca- you, your your astronaut self's gonna come visit you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a scary time. Stephen King also called this film, along with Stand by Me, his favorite adaptations of his work. I think this is probably the best one. I mean, well, Shining's good, but it's not like it's also it's not, not really like adaptation. it's also not like his book at all because that's like one of the Stephen main. Stephen King hates that like. one. I think that most Stephen King movies are not good. And I think that The Green Mile and Shawshank are two of those exceptions, honestly. I mean, I like The Shining. The Shining's all right. but no, I wouldn't even count that as an – that's more like in, inspiration. Because it's very different from the book. Allegedly. Okay. I haven't well, read the book, but I, I've heard that. I've, I have not Stephen read – Stephen King adapted it himself. I've he wrote tried, he made like a, his own movie. I've tried to read The Stand, which is uh, – Stephen King books are just way too long, honestly. Yeah, like, that's I, fair. I can read a book that's like 400 pages, but not a book that's like 800 pages. It's just he, he always he always has so much to say. That guy. Yes, he does. He does. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I think he's. A, I mean, obviously, he's a great writer. He hasn't. He's been writing for so long. 
But I don't know. I think that Shawshank and Green Mile are two of those movies that, I mean, they actually stand out. They're they're ones that I'm actually interested in. A lot of the other ones I just, oh, it's by Stephen King. Well, I'm not really interested in the movie because a lot of the adaptations are not very good. Yeah, I get that. I get that. One of the other things I really liked about this movie in general is the fact that Andy's innocence, like we know he's innocent at the start. He claims to be, uh, but it's you it, don't you don't really know. Okay, though. that's true. He claims to be, but it's left sort of ambiguous. And for an hour and thirty minutes, we're not sure. And then finally, that that storyline is introduced quickly, and it's also cut off quickly because it really is more about his character's journey. Because even he acknowledges his flaws. You know, his wife cheating on him not a great thing, but he acknowledges how he pushed her away, how he was not complicit is not the right word, but you know, he's able to reflect on it and even grow from such a crazy situation. I just think that's great because most movies, they harness that innocent. They're like, our character's perfect. He's fine. He's innocent. There was no problem. But you rarely see a character say, I was wronged, but I recognize where I also was wrong, essentially, in Mm -hmm. in this instance. You know what I mean? I think that's very unique for any movie because, again, with those innocent storylines, they just stick to it and will just drive it all the way home rather than a character sort of acknowledging I may have messed up there for a bit. Of course, he's in his very low point, and Red tries to tell him, you know, he's wrong, but Andy is adamant, and that's the last he talks about it. You know, I just think that's a very interesting storyline to go for a movie that, you know, most movies don't really do that, and that's what makes it very different. But overall, this movie's just perfect. Davis actually was trying to get me to watch this movie for many, many months. Mm-hmm. Back before we had the podcast, you stayed on my neck about it for for months. And he would never watch it. And I finally did. And I got to say, Davis, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. Back in my old Duncan Hall dorm. If an alien came down and was like, show us, give us, give us an example of the best a movie can be. This is one of the ones I'm probably thinking about giving them. I mean, it's got everything. I mean, it's got, it's got I think music. It has, it has every, like every group of movie watchers can like it. The artsy movie watchers, which I am partially a part of i believe can enjoy it action i feel like you can enjoy it he escapes some fights going on uh the storytellers enjoy it horrific villains enjoy it everybody can enjoy this movie it used to play a lot on like tnt i think yeah it did because oh, it was like every it, re, it re became popular it would be on the i don't know maybe like Six or seven years ago, you turn on TV and it would just always be on. You knew it was gonna be on, yeah. and you'd watch. And I would whatever watch part it. you, whatever part you're it. on, you're like, well, I gotta. I, I gotta would watch put it right. on, and it'd be like, oh, we're about halfway through. I'm, I'm gonna watch the rest. It's of just the such TV. a it, this scene's so good, and then you can't stop, and mm-hmm. then you, you've lost two hours. Exactly. And yeah, you sat on the couch, and just two hours of your life have gone by, and you're not mad about it. This both, is this one of the movies, movies that like feels that. like instant, like exactly. it's just so quick, and because everything there's so much going on, and but it not, it doesn't feel too heavy. Every scene is used. I mean, you've got the salvation lies within line comes 30 minutes into the movie, and that ends up being part of the main climax of it. And I think, you know, what makes a great movie is you got to make some great villains, and these are two of the most irreprehensible people on the planet. i got to give props to Clancy Brown and Bob Gutton as... Uh, Officer Hadley and Warden Norton. Mr. Krabs. Mr. Oh, yeah, Mr. Krabs <laughs> is uh, Officer Hadley. They're terrible. I hate <laughs> Officer <laughs> Hadley. He's, I, oh, my God. My my 10-year-old self wanted to jump into the movie and just punch him in the face. Literally one of the worst characters of all time. And I love how there's no debate. There's no, ooh, is he morally ambiguous? No, no he, he, kills the fat, he kills the fat prisoner in the first two seconds. And even, even the prisoners are egging the guy on, mocking him, but then the moment it, the moment, you know, he realizes that Hadley's coming over, I think it's uh they go like, someone goes like chill out, Hadley. Yeah, William Sadler, who's the guy who egged him on, who plays Haywood, he eggs him also on Also in the Green Mile. Also in the Green Mile, yes, that's true. He eggs him on and then the moment he realizes Hadley's coming over, he's like, dude, shut up, because he realizes what's gonna happen and then Hadley, you know, just does it. 
And then, you know, you have that one moment where you almost cheer for it because Hadley takes it to Boggs because Boggs is also one of the most disgusting characters ever. Oh, I mean, as much as you don't like Hadley, you have to love that scene. Oh, I mean, you almost have to root for it just because, like, finally Andy's going to get some He was like reprieve. Batman in that scene. The light turns on. He mm-hmm. was in the dark. Because, you know, Hadley, I mean, a, f- a mere few scenes ago says, hey, guys, file a report. This man's about to have an accident. Almost throws Andy off a roof. Like, let's not forget that. Which then Andy says the hilarious line. I'm not I'm not trying to say this. I just figured you know, you're a smart man. You would have investigated yourself. And he's like, Are you are you laughing? And it's like, no, not at all. But yeah, I mean, Boggs, there's that line, which is he's like, he's like, You're gonna swallow what I give you to swallow. And I'm like, that's nope, that's just Hey now. That's a just, sudden a sudden hit to the brain will make you bite down hard. That yeah, Andy's like, I I, I, I am I am on the chip. I, I am on the chip. Very quick thinking by Andy. I read now. about it. Yeah, and then he also then um, Boggs only gets a week in the hole, and Andy gets two months in the infirmary. So not That's how great. it is. But thankfully, that character was kicked to the curb because it, just evil character. And honestly, again, let, I mean, you can talk about it for two seconds the reality of prison life. Unfortunately, I say it very unfortunately because I mean, this movie it doesn't pull its punches, but it's also not. I don't think it's. I mean, the whole warden corruption is. A bit hyperbolic, I would say, compared to reality. But the rest of it, it? I, I don't know. I haven't is read it. This. But Where like, are I mean, all the rest of the Andy Dufrains to I, shed I, some light on that. That's, that's a good point. We, that's a good point. But I mean, you know, it, it it touches on a lot of harsh truths about it. Like the Brook story is a thing that convicts face every day. I mean, thousands of convicts a year face I mean, that this... same institutional. I imagine, for example, imagine a guy who goes in jail in 1970 comes into the world in 2015. Like, imagine how much of a shock that would be. Bobby Shmurda. That wasn't that much of a shock. <laughs> His hat came back down. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I don't know. I think that especially in the 40s and 50s, I mean, not a lot of light had been shed on some of these prisons. I mean, this the system's been bad for a long time, but I can't even imagine what it was like before a lot of the reforms. But it was the Wild West, and there were wardens exactly. who, well, who wielded absolute power. And I mean, like, I'm not saying the prison system is at all good today because it's not, but it's it's definitely, I mean, it's probably better than it was back in the 40s. I th- yeah, I feel oh, like everybody yeah. kind of acknowledges it's not good, but nobody does anything about it. They're like, well, we have this prison industrial complex, but what are we going to do about it? And they yeah. just build more prisons. It's it's a whole thing. And I, I'm glad this movie goes out there and I'm says I'm not going to get on a soapbox. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, there, there, there's way too much to talk, talk about. I could, on but Absolutely. I'm not going to. I, I'm, just, I'm just glad this movie doesn't pull its punches because a lot of movies, you know, will go very half-measured in their messages, especially about subjects that are commonplace, that are discussed in the in the modern day. But this movie's like, all right, it's about prison. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's have, I mean, let's have our main side character and the narrator explain to the audience what institutional I mean. I think that's one of the best scenes. And again, all these scenes are amazing. And they're reading the letter from Brooks. Hmm. So good. Do you I think feel that you've been rehabilitated? That, oh my I don't gosh. Know what that when, means. When he that that scene is just excellent. That scene just I mean it it, it makes you want to cheer. It does. It does. But it kind of just like like you said, it's just it's just a word for people just to put on a suit and tie and go act like they're doing something. When in reality, as as Morgan Freeman says so eloquently in this movie many times, I mean, it, does, it doesn't mean a thing. They're not rehabilitating anybody. No. They're not, not, not there, at least. They're locking I mean, them in there and then letting them go crazy. I mean, just, yeah. Rehabilitation, but Andy becomes a criminal while in prison. Whoa. Think about that one. Mm. There you go. There you go. That's interesting. That's interesting. I think um, Frank Darabont doesn't like prison. Because <laughs> this one, he hates prison, and the next one, The Green Mile. Not not a fan of it either. Not a fan of it either Not a fan of all. the death penalty ex- Pretty much in that one is the big message of that one is I yeah yeah that 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 
I mean, yeah, that's, that's some difference yeah, between wild. those, though. I mean, they're kind of interesting as in, I don't know if we really got into the Green Mile yet, but Green Mile, obviously. We can start inching our way towards okay, it. Okay, well, like, Shawshank, all the people who work at the prison, they're terrible people. Yeah, objectively. Green Mile, all the people, well, not all the people, but most people who work at the prison, like, they're generally good. Except, except one guy. We're going to get uh, okay, to that in okay. a moment. Well, we'll talk about him, but as far as most of the people at the prison, they're they're like genuinely good people. Like they actually care about the prisoners. They actually want to make it better for them. And then it also ends up being like a very sad ending. So it's kind of like yeah. a bad to a good and then a good to a bad. Kind of a different kind of a different feel in both movies. Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't read the book, but you know, with that one, Darabont adapted it in like eight weeks. I don't know how close it does follow the book, because maybe that's the point of, you know, King wanted to explore the many faces of prison. Cause I think an important thing in any in any subject matter is it's not all universally one thing. Right, you know, it's like like the, the the differences in Green Mile and Shawshank exist in real life. I'm sure. So I think that's just you know exploring different sides of. It. But you're right, Davis. He certainly doesn't seem to like it. In this case, I mean, in Shawshank. But let's let's talk one more second about Shawshank before we go on Green Mile. What's y'all's favorite scene from that movie? The one that just from sticks Shawshank? out in your mind. Yeah, from Shawshank first. We I think we can wrap this up because I think we've talked about the it. The breakout's all. so good. Yeah. Explaining the breakout and then he stands in the water. Yeah, oh, when he, when he really when good. he crawls through however five hundred so yards five hundred yards of Crap! Yeah, I think I think that's that, the length of five football fields. I do like the one where he's playing the music and he's sitting there. Yes, where he just has his moment of rebellion. And the guy from Seinfeld is locked in the locked in the bathroom. I choose not to race. It's that guy. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow! What a cast! What a cast! Uh, one of my favorite scenes, just detail wise, is when he's escaping and he has the rock on the pipe and he waits for every lightning strike to hit. Just everything so mm. detailed because some movies would just hit the pipe, don't worry about it. But like even that. That's just a little detail that you don't have to add. I love movies that add those details. But, I mean, I think the scene where after Andy comes out of the hole and he and Red just talk, that mm-hmm. I, I could listen to that the dialogue from this movie for hours. It's so well written. One of my favorite scenes also is, um, what's his name? Tom, the younger dude, Tommy. Tommy, yeah. Tommy. Yeah. So Tommy comes in and he's explaining the story of like this old inmate that he was bunked up with at this other prison that he was in. And he tells the story, and then all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, wait, he's talking about Andy and his wife. Yeah. And I think that's really one of the turning points in the movie. Because, I mean, up until that point, you don't know if Andy's innocent or not. And then right then is when you finally discover, you're like, oh, he really is an innocent man. And they have a way to get him out of jail. Like, they can testify. And I guess, obviously, it doesn't really go to plan. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that, that's it, a great scene. because it's. it's- yeah, go ahead. It's one of those scenes where, like, you have hope. Like, you're, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to get his retribution. He's going to get out. Like, here's the redemption they're talking about. And then, nope, it gets shot down, literally. And. <laughs> yeah. it Yeah, that, that, that for and, me, is a great and, scene because you don't see it coming. Yeah, and it leads you just to, like, oh, well, how is he going to get out now? Like, how is he going to get. Absolutely. Like, what's what's the next step? Saved. And I think I think that's just great in general because of the fact that you know you don't see when Tommy's introduced, it's not it's not clear that he's a means for that plot point to be introduced. He has twenty five minutes of standard characterization mm-hmm. of taking that test of studying, and then you learn that that's why he's here. And I just think that's because most films don't know how to introduce those types of characters. Those what's the word? It's not like a MacGuffin, but it's a. Uh, I don't know what what you would describe a character that serves the plot like that, but that's what he is. But the fact is, he actually has depth. He's not just there for that. I mean, like, the, yeah, like you said, there's a whole point where he's in there, literally just trying to get his GED. I yeah, think. That, yeah, exactly right. So no, um, it's not called GED at that time, well, but it, it is that. Essentially, he's just trying. Oh, your high school equivalency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's trying to get his high school diploma, and that's like his entire role for 
and that's what you think he's all there for. Like, oh, he's just another character getting thrown in the mix. And then, boom, he turns out that he's a huge, huge impact on the whole story. Absolutely. I just, man, I could try this movie for hours. What do you give this movie out of 10? Uh, five or no, no, ten. Sorry, I was, whoa! Sorry, so oh I was thinking, I was thinking. Dang. Sorry, I was wow, thinking. Brutal. I was thinking. I want to know what a ten out of ten for him. <laughs> I was thinking how I rated um, on Letterbox. <laughs> Fair. I was thinking how I rated on Letterbox, and I gave it the five stars out of five. But yes, no, it's a ten out of ten movie. It is a complete. I didn't. I, I like. I look for flaws to write down. I couldn't write down one. I couldn't. William, think of anything. I think it's a ten. Like go. I said earlier, like Three perfect. If it's gonna be in my top five, it's gonna be a ten. It's a perfect it's... movie, and I'm glad I saw it again because I had only seen it the one time. And this is you know, now it's gonna be in my mind when I think of my favorite movies because it is that movie. So it is good, so amazing. Also, Frank Darabont. You know, he also was the creator of The Walking Dead. Did y'all know that? I just, I just, know that. I just yeah. learned that a minute ago when I was looking. at Ah, there you go. Yeah, he, he 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 does Shawshank, does Green Mile, does The Mist, and then creates The Walking Dead, but then apparently left due to creative differences. Which, he did The Mist too. Yes, the 2007 version with Thomas Jane. That's an interesting movie. Very creepy. Absolutely, and that is also his third. Um, let me see. That's his third uh, or fourth thing that includes includes Jeffrey Demun. Demun was the prosecutor at the start of Shawshank. He is in The Mist. He is one of the guards in the Green Mile. He's also Dale in The Walking Dead. For those who've seen, he's got always a little hat. Ex- yes, mm. yes, exactly right, exactly right. Nice. But yeah, any any final thoughts before we move on to the Green Mob? We talked about it a bit earlier, Will, as you said, but I think we can go right ahead unless anybody else has anything else I'm to good. say. I think we can jump right into it. All right, so the Green Mob comes out five years later. It was first a book published in 1996, and then Darabont heard about it from Stephen King and wanted to adapt it. He adapted the script in eight weeks. It was released in theaters on December 10th, 1999, on a budget of $60 million, the film made $268.8 million at the worldwide box office, a greater success than Shawshank, comparably. It has a running time of 188 minutes, or three hours and six minutes, and it was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, Best Sound, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Did not win any of them. And, yeah, this movie, again, directed by Frank Darabont. Not the same cinematography of Roger Deakins, though. It does have great cinematography anyway, I think I, I kind of prefer this one in some ways. I think it frames a lot. It has a like lot of Like that shot where he's watching the movie, where John Coffey's watching the movie, and the, it's obviously supposed to be like a halo. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's so good. That, that is excellent. And it's, again, written and directed by Frank Darabont, and Thomas Newman comes back with another excellent score. I don't know how this one was not nominated, but Shawshank was. I think they're both top of the line, in my opinion. But that's, you know, I'm, I'm the score guy He's here. He's the score guy. I am. And it stars Tom Hanks as Paul Edgecombe, David Morse as Brutus Brutal Howell, Bonnie Hunt as Jan Edgecombe, the great Michael Clark Duncan as John Coffey. James Cromwell just shows up. I was I was I was pleasantly surprised to see him in this movie. Always as, always always think of his name as Oliver Cromwell, but that's the That's that's the guy that, that took over England in like his the His head was on a spike. Yes, that that is true. A pike. And was a spike. Who knows? I don't know. Hal Moore's is the um, is the warden of that of this prison. Michael Jeter as Edward Del Delacroix. Graham Greene as Arlen Bitterbuck. Doug Hutchinson as Percy Wetmore. Ugh. And Sam Rockwell, Sam our guy, Rockwell. as William Wild Bill Wharton, and then Barry Pepper as Dean Stan. That's pretty much all of them. And yeah, this, I mean, this movie, guys. It's. I honestly, I rated it lower. Than Shawshank, but having seen it only one time, I may honestly enjoy it more than Shawshank because it's it's a lot sadder. Yeah. Wow. Oh, this one tugs at the heartstrings. This This one is brutal. This one gets like a. I'm not gonna. I guess like an eight from me. Wow. I I can't wait to get into exactly why a bit later. First of all, let's shout out Bruce Willis for this one. I'm gonna get there in a a moment for why why I'm saying that because. 
after Bruce Willis had worked with Michael Clark Duncan on Armageddon, mm-hmm. he had actually heard about the uh, casting out op- the open call from Darabont and re- and recommended Michael Clark Duncan for the role, which I think he's perfect for it. And one great actor, also too, he fits the stature. He is six foot five normally. Or they in make real him look life, like I mean. eight feet. They make him look gigantic, and he's amazing. He's also the best character in uh, Armageddon. So it just happens this dude's good. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, this movie. I mean. I don't even know where to begin. This movie, for those who do not know, compared to Shawshank, Shawshank follows the man Andy Dufresne in prison. This follows Death Row, the Green Mile, known as the Last Mile. It's just green because in this prison, the floors are green. It takes place in the 1930s. The year is not specific, I don't think. It's just during the Great Depression. Yeah, during... 35. Oh, yeah, it is mentioned that later. That's right. It is mentioned 35 at the very end. It follows the prison guard there, Paul Edgecombe, played by Tom Hanks. Actually, it follows it follows initially Paul Edgecombe in modern day for the times in 1999 as an old man at a retirement home telling the story to his to his friend and telling the story of being the prison guard at this prison dealing with death row inmates. There are three executions that have to go by, and it also deals with one inmate, Michael Clark Duncan's character of John Coffey and his possibly supernatural powers and how these guards deal with that issue, I guess, and deal with this entire and how it you know changes their lives. I love this movie. I really do. I think it's it's reminds me a lot of Shawshank and the fact that no scene is wasted. For example, I'm going to give a lot uh, a quick shout out to the character of Arlen Bitterbuck played by Oscar uh, nominated actor Graham Greene because that guy in most movies he's a useless character that serves a means, right? He's supposed to introduce the electric chair. He's supposed to introduce to the char- to us the audience the process of it. But in this, I mean, he has that really heart heart-wrenching scene where he's talking to Paul Edgecombe and he talks about if a man's repented enough, do you think he can return to his happiest moment? Which introduces the fact that these are evil men, but it humanizes them in such ways that I think most movies fail to do. But anyway, what are, what are some of your, y'all's thoughts on one, this film? One that? thing that I like to touch on is that outside of what Wild Bill, you don't really know what a lot of the people are in there for. Yeah. So you can't really, it kind of humanizes them in the fact where like, you only get their side of the story from like what you see right there in the cell. Exactly. Like, oh well, these guys are actually like they're not bad people. Like they're actually looking out. Like there's a one scene where um, Tom Hanks is getting or he gets grabbed, and one of the other inmates is like calling for help. Like he actually cares about his. Yeah, Edouard super- Delacroix. Yeah, Edouard Delacroix. He's actually trying to call out for help, even though like the guy who's gonna kill him is getting hurt. I'm exactly. Like, well, yeah, you see, like these people are obviously caring people other than obviously. Wild Bill. Wild is, Bill who's and Percy. Just, and Percy. But oh, well, I'll, we'll get into that. A lot of the inmates, you see, like, they are human. Like, they, they do care. Like, they have yeah. emotions. And, like, a lot of the stuff is that they've been there for a while. Because, I mean, Death Row isn't just an immediate process. Exactly. It's kind of like a Shawshank Redemption feel where, like, hey, they've been in there for a really long time. They've been institutionalized. Like, Absolutely. They're not those people that they used to be when they committed those acts. And one of the things I'd re- in my research, I found that um, Stephen King in, in the novel actually goes into why they're there. For example, Delacroix killed seven people. Mm-hmm. So and I think it is an excellent creative choice on the part of Darabont to exclude that from the film and make them more humanized characters. Because mm-hmm. Wild Bill, when we learn what he did, and also he's just evil the whole time. Same with Percy. But, you know, if you reveal what Delacroix did, if you reveal what Bitterbuck did, I think it would hurt a lot of those things. You're like, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, Bitterbuck's having this heartwarming scene with Edgecombe about, you know, hoping to be as happy as talking about being with his wife in the mountains. 
and the music is playing and it's emotional, but if you learn that this guy killed 10 people, it really, I think like it would lose its luster a bit. Mm-hmm. And even then, you see it because when they get executed, there are families there. These aren't just random people watching. These are the families of the people that they probably killed, right? Yes, yeah. And you get the seriousness of it, but it's at the end. It doesn't It doesn't overtake the emotional scenes. And I think that's one of the best creative choices any director has made because it makes this movie and its plot a lot sadder and a lot I guess not hard one but heart wrenching really because it's just you know it really just brings the question like do people deserve to die for something they did 20 30 years ago like yeah I mean obviously they've been in jail this entire time and maybe that is I mean 10 lives for one that seems like a pretty reasonable thing but like do you think that people could actually be rehabilitated do you think people can change over time exactly because you're seeing them where they are now versus Mm -hmm. where they were when they committed all of their crimes and I just I really, really like this movie. I think Michael Clark Duncan gives probably one of the greatest performances I think ever. I think he's amazing in every. He steals the show in every scene. Half of the scenes aren't even him saying anything. It's just him having to like convey a billion different emotions on his face. He lost Best Supporting Actor to Michael Caine. Michael Caine in a movie that I've never heard of, called The Cider House Rules. Now I'm not. I haven't seen. It, so I'm, not, I'm not going to criticize and say Michael Caine should have won House, because I haven't seen the movie. But I mean. I've heard about one performance since 1999, and the other I've never heard of. So maybe that that's telling that Michael Clark Duncan deserves more credit for it. But this movie, it's just, oh my gosh. Davis, I'm curious what you don't like, honestly. We it just feels long to me. Really? I mean, I've seen it so many times, so that's probably why. Okay, it blew by for me this first time. I was just engrossed uh, it's like in every my plot. Tenth time seeing Every it. plot line, so, like, I mean. I, I, understand, I like, I know everything that's going to happen. And I think, because I... I will say that I had I had watched this immediately after finishing Shawshank after oh, yeah, I got that, off that's work. A, that's a bit of a hike, then. Yeah, it's a bit of a grind. But so this it might be affected. But either it might it could be it's probably a nine on that's a good fair. day. That's fair. But I, I just feel like Shawshank's still much better. Yeah, and I will say one thing uh, about this. I think the casting is on point again. I think that's Darabont's strength because the casting in The Walking Dead is also amazing. By the way, for those who've seen that show, but like every character is excellent in their role. I don't know how you could cast someone to perfectly play Delacroix, but he got it. And that guy plays it amazingly. I, I think it's uh, Michael Jeter is his name, who also was on Sesame Street, by the way, and in Jurassic Park 3. So quite, quite, a, quite, a, quite a, uh, a, a set of achievements there. But, yeah, this is just – And Polar Express. What, where oh, do you – I think I know who he plays. I think he plays the, like, the hermit ghost in Polar Express. Maybe? Oh, Lord. Smokey. That's, that's interesting. No, no, he's the guy with the long beard. Is that uh, Smokey? Oh, Really? I think. You think. Davis, you think. You got to know, man. Look. I'm making assumptions here in the studio. And we can't you know be doing that, Davis. We, 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 we do know what that does. Yeah, um, I'll check real quick. American Polar I Express. will say, also, shout out Tom Hanks for his run in the 90s. This dude was in every good movie, like, ever. Yeah. So got the Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, this. He was also in Castaway, like, a year later. Tom Hanks has range? Because normally he just plays the same character. I'm going to say it. You... You, you didn't think Tom Hanks has No, I'm has kidding. Range? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just I think this run in the 90s is ridiculous. You rarely see the many actors play such different oh, roles. Philadelphia and not, is so good. Philadelphia is so good. You seen Philadelphia, Will? I have not. Oh, it's a great God. movie. I'm about to put it on my, on my list of movies it's, to it's watch. It's Tom Hanks' best performance Denzel's ever. really good in it as well. Denzel's also Denzel's amazing. Denzel's in there with yep. Tom Hanks? Yes. So the movie's about, I think it's kind of based on a true story, isn't it? No, no. It's, it's So it's not based idea. on a true story, but okay, it's yeah. based on something that was unfortunately not, occurring yeah, at the time. So Denzel's... Repre- he's a lawyer and he's representing Tom Hanks' character because for un- uh, 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 wrongful termination for having AIDS. Mm-hmm. It's about it's, it's and it takes so place good. in the '90s at the height of the AIDS yeah. crisis when you know everything was on fire. Is how I can accurately describe the sad. state of 
the U.S. at that point, and it's that movie. Oh my gosh! And Antonio Banderas is Antonio in that. Banderas Antonio Banderas is in that. Yeah, I might have to watch this this week. It, it it's <laughs> so amazing. Good. It's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Only seen it one time, but sometimes I'll just like get in the rabbit hole of watching clips from it on YouTube, and I'm like, all right, so let good. me see another one. Let me see another one. But this movie, I mean, let's talk about him right now. I thought Warden Norton and Officer Hadley were the worst characters I've ever seen in my life. And you but met then, Percy. <laughs> then I met Percy. Ugh. Will, what are your thoughts on this man? Because I got Percy some. Wetmore. Percy straight up killed a dude because he did art made it. I mean, he was going to kill him anyway, but he was going to kill him. He tortured him super painfully, just because. Well, he did he because he, he, he didn't even he do anything like a babe. He didn't even do anything. The man did he not. He laughed at him. The man laughed at him one time, and therefore he deserves to have his face melted off. Because because Percy has a creepy fascination with death. He does. Percy is. I mean, he's your run-of-the-mill um, daddy's boy, as in, I mean, maybe, or... Uh, he pu- he pulls rank with the, my dad will uh, fire you. Yes, exactly. Like, do you know who my, I guess, his, uh, his, his aunt. Yeah, his aunt. yeah, yeah. His aunt is the governor's wife. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's... Which like, makes the governor his uncle, which is the same thing, but anyway, go on. Well, yes, but... By marriage. He's like, he's just the one, like, oh, I'll get away with whatever, and everyone there knows it. Like, he's going to get away with whatever he's going to do. He's he's a horrible person. He really is. It's it's one of those people who are like at the end, at the I guess nothing really bad happens to him. I forgot where he killed Wild Bill. I yeah. completely forgot that I, part. I actually forgot about how all that happened because I watched it three weeks ago when we did. Davis and I thought we were going to do an episode on this, but then we had to postpone. So mm-hmm. I had to like rewatch some clips and yeah, I forgot all that happened a bit. And I was like, whoa, um, what? And then he becomes he becomes he becomes what happened to what, what Wild Bill tend to be. Yeah, exactly. He goes into a catatonic. It's state. Ironic. He ends up at Briar Ridge. So what I when I was watching the movie, I I had forgotten about that whole act where I guess, um, coffee gives him whatever cancer he took out of the guy's right. wife. The bugs. Yes. Uh, and I, I I remember like watching last night since I haven't seen it in a few years and I was like oh did he just like give the cancer to him and then he was like oh I'm just gonna go kill Wild Bill and I thought it was very like oh hold up I didn't see that coming so I saw a theory about this actually I read it because mm-hmm. when Percy does it he has two tears go down one down his right eye and one down his left I I read a theory that when he passes on his um the cancer or whatever he also shares the memory that he later shares yeah. with Tom Hanks of. Wild Bill killing those two children, which is why oh. Percy feel he like, and then it, you know it's it's also because the power compels him to, but I think it's also because he's just overcome with this you know need to kill the guy. But yeah, yeah that's what that's what I, I like that theory. I think it adds a lot more to the movie. I don't know if it's true, but I I really do like how this movie doesn't try to explain what's happening. It doesn't try to explain uh, Coffee's powers. It's like gonna leave it. Like, well, he explains it a bit. I feel like a reason for that. It's because it's just a metaphor for Jesus. Well, yeah, that that that, like that you is don't well. explain Jesus' powers; he's just Jesus. That's true, but I mean, m- movies. Some movies try to overexplain things. Are like, we're gonna do, you know, or John Aven- Coffee, we're gonna Jesus uh- Christ. Whoa! Need I say more? Whoa! Some, I mean, some movies, you know, they're gonna go Avengers Endgame style and try to overexplain it with a couple bits about what's your happening. past is now your future, and your f- future is now your past. You, you, your yeah, what you do in past, the past your can't past change the future. I, I don't know. Anyway, the point is, they don't try to; they just allow it. And I like movies that do that because. Sometimes, you know, the plot's better if it's unexplained, especially with these magical powers and, su- and such. That's a good point, Davis. Why don't you talk a bit more about uh, that Did John notice that he was supposed to be Jesus? I noticed a bit with his, um, with his, 
you know, he, his death was inevitable and people tried to save him. Like the apostles tried to save Jesus and Jesus notably says to like, you know, to them, let me go or let whatever. Go. And John Coffey says the same thing to Edgecombe. He says, I'm tired of what I've seen in this world. Let me go. I'm ready. I'm not. That's, that's, a, yeah. that's a big, that's a big comparison point. I wonder if you could add up the people to make the 12 apostles. I just thought of that. Hmm. Tom no, Hanks, I, no, I don't brutal. think so. If you count like the Dean. Uh, There's more than 12 characters in the movie, so I don't think so. I feel like you maybe could. Well, well, you could you could do that math. Over well, there. we'll do that well, math. Has over Stephen the time. King ever said that this is like actually supposed to be a metaphor for Jesus? I'm not sure if it was in the book. Theorize. Well, I mean, like you're not sure if it's in the book or if Darabont took it himself. Darabont. I mean, like this is a pretty faithful adaptation from what I've read. But like, I feel like it's so obvious. Like JC, first of all, he basically gets crucified at the end of the electrocution for for something he didn't do. Same with Jesus. Uh, the apostles, like Je- uh, uh, Alex just said. He performs miracles and heals people and takes on their pain, and mm. he feels the pain or rather their sins. So I mean, like I feel like it's pretty. Maybe it's more obvious for someone that went to school where we learned that. Alex and I. That, that's that. We grew that's up learning that so much. Maybe it just feels more obvious to us. True, and I mean, I think it's all. It's also been very much dissected a lot, and I'd read about it beforehand as well because I I'd heard about this and this movie and that. Do you before. after my explanations there? Do you feel like? It is, or it's just like, oh, it's a coincidence, or it's like, I mean, it, it definitely makes sense the way you explain it. But I, like watching the movie, I never thought that understandable. Yeah, I, I never actually. I, I don't know if I wasn't really looking for the connection or anything. We were kind of like, did you grow up religious or anything? I mean, I you went to Catholic school, yeah. so obviously it's like we were like kind of taught the, uh, to look for the that upper hand places. on that. No, I I definitely didn't grow up in that kind of situation okay. like I, I wasn't going out trying to like go out of the way to look for jesus and different things that's what we were every day at school they'd be like mm-hmm. maybe we weren't doing that oh. <laughs> read this <laughs> read this book tell me if jesus read this is book it. and tell me where jesus is at oh which character Lord. is jesus stop it y'all stop <laughs> don't get me started on paralandra oh that that book oh, oh my we're oh gonna my have goodness. to go into mcgill no mcgill talk we no, won't absolutely <laughs> absolutely not um more things about this so really your big issue Dave, is that brings down from a 10 to an 8 is that was long I mean, I guess, but I feel like if, if I hadn't watched it directly after Shawshank okay. and coming back from work. Because I give it a 9 out of 10 because my kind of issue is that it feels kind of uneven, like some of the tone of it. Like, I get what the mouse scene does later, but like the whole, yeah, let's unload this room and look for the mouse. It feels kind of campy almost. And compared to the very heavy scenes, such as the fact that this movie doesn't shy away from showing, which I like that they don't because most movies do. They don't shy away from showing the victims after they're electrocuted. Most films would be like, oh, look at that disgusting thing, and then we'll just watch the character's face react to it. Yeah. Ugh. This movie's like, we're going to show you they're fried, and it's disgusting, it's horrifying. Delacroix's face just melted completely off of his back. Crazy. Terrifying. Crazy. And I'm, I'm glad they did, because, again, most movies are like, watch Tom Hanks look at this gross thing off screen. It lets you see it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, think, I, I think it does a lot more to also bring the audience closer to realizing how terrifying the electric chair is. You know, you've got the characters going, oh, God, the smell. So, like, reality. I know I know that the electric chair is still a thing. I mean, maybe not used as I much. I don't think anymore. they – I think lethal injection is the new thing. Lethal injection. injection is the thing now, but I'm like – is it, I, I've never really looked that much into the electric chair as an execution method. Like, was that really – was that accurate? 
Yes. As to how they, they actually electrocuted I'm people. I'm pretty sure that's like basically how it was done. That seems very inhumane. It, it wasn't, I don't think it was that big of a gallery like they had it. Like if you ever seen, if you ever seen Just Mercy, I have not, there's an electric no. chair in that one. And it's just in like a really small room. I know that, um, that Alabama's electric chair used to go on tour around the state. Oh, wonderful. Yes. So according to this, according to the Clarion Ledger, the last death row inmate to be executed by electric chair in Tennessee was August fifteenth, two thousand nineteen. Incredible. Well, but apparently, go. the last the last person executed without a choice of alternative method was two thousand two. Linda Lyon Blake. So, so you're saying they get the uh, they get the option. Apparently, I, I have heard that before. People do get the option on how they want to go out. Because some people may I don't know why, but I, I I had not heard anything about that. But yeah, it's you're right. And I, I again, I'm glad the movie doesn't shy away from it. It is very inhumane. I'm however, I will say. I, I appreciate and respect the fact that when it comes to Coffee's execution, they don't show it full the full way through because it's it's more about the effect he's had on the guards. You're seeing the effect he's had on the people around him. Oh, when, than, when when Paul grabs his hand to let him feel his love. Oh my god! And he and he says, I'm gonna cry and he, say, in he, here. Says, he says, he says, don't put don't put the don't put the uh, don't put the mask. Come on, And he starts singing. Yep. I was listening oh to that on the gosh. way here. I started tearing up. There's something so scary about an electric chair. It's like looking at well, yeah. these pictures. It's just terrifying. I it, feel like ugh. any execution method, like like the guillotine, the guillotine, terrifying. Electric chair, terrifying. Firing squad, which is now an option, like in Georgia maybe, as of like three days ago for execution. Is back if you you know if you if you get in trouble you have the option now. Mm-hmm. Uh, lethal injection's pretty scary because they just be giving you whatever, and they don't know how it feels. Here's the uh, the infamous yellow mama that went around tour mm. in Alabama. That's nah, from man. Just Mercy. Uh, nope. Let's let's not please. I was like, hey man, like what? <sighs> no. Oh my. Uh, that's a whole other thing entirely. But yeah, I I just. I will say again, my one criticism of it is it feels kind of like campy. Like also the, to be quite frank, the scene where Paul is healed by um, coffee and he goes home to quote unquote celebrate with his wife is kind of ridiculous. Like it's just it's just a camera outside as you hear noises. Like there there was no need for that. Just cut to the next morning or whatever. I don't know. It just felt kind of it like took me out of the experience. He didn't want to give you any question as to what was happening. Evidently not, but it kind of just took me out of the experience. But overall, this movie's still a nine out of ten for me. Nine point five out of ten. It's still very high on my on my totem pole. What is what do you think about it? Where does it rank for you? You said Shawshank's a ten. How about how about this? I like this go where where Davis was saying it is a very long movie. Yeah, I think it's very it's a lot more emotional. Um, in the sense, as far as watchability goes, I'd probably give it around a seven or eight. Really, yeah, it's not as rewatchable as Shawshank. I I, I, I don't, haven't rewatched it I don't, yet, so I guess my ranking. I right don't now. see myself watching that movie again it's for a while. Very sad. Is it? Is it just because how how hard? hard Excuse me. Sad and hard it is to watch. It's not even that. It's just that it, it is. It is very sad. I mean, obviously, I don't want to put myself through that. Like, oh, oh it's Friday night. Let's go watch Green Green Mile, Mile again. It's Green Mile night, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like shards of glass. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's that, but it's also like, um, I don't know. It's longer. There's a lot less action. A lot less. Lo- oh, not as many things going on. Because it's a shorter Shawshank. time frame. It's not like yeah. we're watching twenty years in two hours. We're exactly. Watching, like, we're watching maybe three weeks and we're three watching hours. a few weeks and yeah. There, there's a lot less to cover. Which I mean, it's I'm not 
like I said, it's not a, it's a great movie by all means, but it's not one that I'd sit down. Like if it's on TV, I'm not going to sit down and just like, oh yeah, Green Mile's on. Let me watch that. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah. I just have only seen it one time, so I feel more inclined to rewatch it. But that's a good point because I mean, now now that I've seen Schindler's List, I don't know if everyone knows oh, if I want to rewatch that. Now movie, that's so. a movie is hard to rewatch. That, movie, have, that movie's like a zero on the rewatch I've, I've scale. watched that one one time, and I've never gone back. It I is. thought it, I, like another incredible movie, but one that you just it that one's you're, I think that one's you, more hard. If you see it, if you see it on the TV channels, you're gonna scroll right past it because uh yeah yeah no it, that's definitely not one you want to. Oh, your your girl's coming over. Let's sit down and watch Schindler's List. Yeah, I think I think one we watched last year, another comparable one for Davis and myself is The Father. Oh is, my god! Um, but that's a movie. The Father is next level. I've not seen The Father. It, we watched it last year for Oscar Oscar season. That um, one, yeah, I'd rewatch Schindler's List again before I watch that. What's it about? It's about a like a father a man, with dementia, and yeah. it's basically from his point of view, and it is heartbreaking. It's, I don't think I want to watch it is that. Gut-breaking. No, yeah, it's it's understandable. <laughs> like, it's, it's Anthony not, Hopkins, and he starts crying. Oh my god! It's it's unlike anything I've ever watched in my life. It yeah, is it is it is the perfect ten. It's a ten. It's a ten point five out of ten. So good. I'll say it right now, but don't um, re- don't watch it again. Yeah. Uncut Gems, I don't want to watch again either. Fair, I haven't that seen one's that so one stressful. yet. Actually, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, so I I hate on Uncut Gems for being boring, being kind of like I, I wasn't really that into it. But there were times during that movie where I was like on the edge of my seat. Palpable. Like, it actually got me like a lot of movies don't get me into it. Like I'll be like, oh well, there's a tense scene in the movie, but I know what's gonna happen. And this, I was like, oh my goodness, that that Uncut Gems in this movie called The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, like, I've had I've, me standing up. I was yeah. like, oh my. I was like, I was so freaking out. I remember uh, Uncut Gems, was it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, so I remember it was one day. I was like, I have nothing to do. Let me just see if there's something. I was like, oh, well, this movie came out. Everyone seems to like it. And I watched it and I was like, I mean, it's an okay story. But then there was the very end where he's like cheering for the basketball spoiler game. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, yeah, obviously. <laughs> We're but, all in spoiler alert. Yeah, at this so point. he's just cheering for the basketball game. I'm just, like, obviously, I don't know what the outcome of that game was. I knew that when it actually the Celtics happened. won that game yeah. watching the movie, and I was still stressing. Yeah, no, but I was sitting there like, oh, I, I felt like a gambler in that moment. Like, I really, I felt like how it he did. It did. It, it drew, drew me And then in. he opens the door. And, yeah, which yeah. is which is one thing oh. that I can say to that movie is like, I, as a whole movie, I didn't really enjoy it, but that one scene at the end of the movie was very, very well done. That's oh. fair. That's fair. I, again, I've not seen that. Seen um, but one last thing about, about this one. What were y'all thoughts on the ending? Because that took me totally by surprise. And I was like... That he can live forever? Yeah, or, that he's forever, 118 but. years old. Also, props to the guy that played older Paul, uh, Dabs Greer. Apparently, they tried to put Tom Hanks in prosthetics and did not look good. I think yeah. it, I think it's an interesting idea. I think if the the story overall, if anybody else made it, it probably would have been not as good since it's kind of like a weird story. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting, an interesting idea. I love that it just adds. So Percy's a bit more probably to it. still alive as well, if you think about no, it. No, so it's just it's just people. So it's not he people heals. that healed. It, no, it's not people that are healed. It's people oh, that, that he. he it, it, yeah, I exactly. I understand exactly well, that, he, that he specifically like imprinted himself yep. on like because remember he didn't pass the stuff yeah. to he like he does that with the mouse when uh when he's uh, Delacroix the, yeah. is getting electrocuted and then he does that to show Tom Hanks or I'm edge him you. the story. So it's just supposed to be those two. I thought. I, I, I think that's right. I don't think he's. I mean, like you said, I don't think he's actually going to live forever. But maybe yeah, his life really has been old. extended by, by that. Some of the of some of the power he's got. But I, I I loved that. I thought it was a great twist. And oh, yeah. I think him saying "You too, Elaine. You'll die too," and then it cuts then to her dead. dead. Like, Whoa! Yeah, that's kind of heavy. That's that's apparently in the people. book. It like it also lays out everybody's death and his wife dying like really brutally in a bus crash or something. 
Ouch. So it makes it even harder. Yeah, no, it's just like, oh, well, he's paying for a sin. Like he killed off one of yeah. God's yeah. miracles. My penalty my penalty for making uh John Coffee ride the lightning. Yeah. He did uh, he did he did me a service. Yeah. So sad. Oh my god. Such a sad what a movie. One of the what? saddest movies out there. What it really a movie. was like I remember so my mom cries at literally every movie. Yeah. So fair. Understandable. I, I, I watched Green Mile with her and I was like, Mom, why are you crying? And like and then uh, she was like explaining to me and she was like tearing up talking about the movie and I was like, okay, I need to watch this movie. There's no way it's that sad. And I watched it when I was probably like 10 or 12 or something like that. I'm like, wow, this is this is a sad Very movie. Very sad. Yeah. Like last night, I texted you last night. It was like At one, like one <laughs> it was It was 1.30 in the morning when I was finishing up the movie. I was like, dang, I forgot how sad this movie was. Were you crying? I was tearing up. I, I held back the most most cry. It's it, man. But it's just- uh, First time I saw it, I- Damn near cried like a baby. Yeah, yeah I mean, but now it just kind of gets me to tear up every you know, time. You know, I mean, I, I know what's gonna happen. Like I've seen the movie before. It's still sad, but yes. like it's not as sad as the first time I watched yeah. it, not knowing exactly. Because like the first time you watch it, you're like, oh, he's gonna get out. Like they're gonna figure out. Oh, like they're gonna God. find him innocent. They're gonna let him go, and then boom. And nope. then you realize, nope, it's hopeless. It's like and Jesus. There you go. I don't I'll know. say, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I feel like I keep cutting you off. Um, no, it's all good. That's that's what the show's about. <laughs> I guess. Um, it's just kind of the point where like, oh, he's he's content with dying. Like he's actually ready to go. Like he he's been lonely. I guess they touch about because he can feel every all like, he can feel all, all the, the pain, pain, all the fear, all no the anger. One, no one knows where he like. You don't ever get a touch on where his origin is. Like I think I think that's good. It's kind of like you kind of get the sense that it's during the Great Depression. He's kind of just wandering around trying to find a place to be. Mm-hmm. Um. But no, like he he's he says he's tired of doing that. Like he's tired of being alone. He's tired of seeing all the pain in the world. And it's kind of like mercy that he's actually getting to go out this way. And I mean, he get, like he gets his last meal that he he's like talking about. He's like, oh, I'll have this uh, meatloaf, potatoes, gravy. Like, oh, he's he's getting excited about that. He gets to watch the movie. Oh, and that's a very very touching part of the movie. Yeah. Where, like, Everyone's in there watching the movie together, and like, yeah, we're we're doing something good right now. When when it hit that it was cheek to cheek, I was like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. <sighs> what a movie, man. I mean, I just, yeah. I will say also, what is it with parents being the ones that always cry? Because my dad cries at every movie. He cried at Toy Story three. <laughs> he <laughs> also think... he cried at the Hunger Games. Oh man. Okay, I can't I can't defend him on that one. When when Rue dies, bro, come on. I cry at a lot of movies too. I was upset when Rue died during the book, not as much as during the movie. I. I have never movies cr- can get. Me. I have only cr- cried at two movies. One was The Father, mm. but I was watching it by myself, and the other was About Time, and I almost started crying. But I was I, I was surrounded by people, so I, I, w- I wasn't gonna cry. What movies? I'm okay with I... crying around people. I can't. I got I got issues. I've got only issues. Call Me by Your Name, the book, Ooh. and the movie both Ooh. made me. I haven't seen the movie. Tear up movie. pretty pretty heavily. How about how about you, Will? What we got? I don't know. I I get emotional in most every movie. That's fair. There will literally be like I I won't necessarily cry like weep for every movie but yeah. i don't know like i i'm a very emotional person like there will be something that i see that's really cool like um i don't know i get emotional over sports like some sports moment will happen i'll be like oh i'm <laughs> gonna tear up over this like it's fair i don't know um if you if someone does a tribute to someone during a like a football or basketball or baseball game i'm just like oh that's so sad too. like i don't know like I'm a very emotional person. For some a lot of movies, I I do feel that way. I get you. I'm also a big secondhand embarrassment person. Oh, so you like, ever seen Nightcrawler? No. That wait, 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 wait. oh, I have seen Nightcrawler. There's like, the, the movie where he goes on the date with like his coworker. That ma- that movie makes me I, explain I just, explain what Nightcrawler's about. It's Jake Gyllenhaal running. Is that the, the movie about him? 
like filming filming all the people at the wrecks and stuff. Yes. Okay, I have seen that. And then yeah. he goes on the date, or he forces his coworker to go on a date with them, and then, like she won't go home with them. Oh, and I it don't... is so cringe inducing. I had to, I had to skip. I it. don't remember that scene. It was terrible. I could not watch it. Like it was supposed to be that way. I might have skipped it too. Honestly, good. good. It's honestly, so hard to watch because there, there's 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 a lot of scenes like that. Like I know back when I was younger, The Office kind of did it to me. Like there were a yeah. lot of awkward moments, and I'm like, I just. I don't want to watch this. The like, Scott's Tots ones. Oh, oh yeah, uh, that one was super. Yeah, it it, it it just says something about a TV show when it can make you feel awkward. Like you have no connection to what is going on in the like. You know, it's a movie, and yet you're still sitting here like, uh, I need this scene to end like really <laughs> yep. bad. Abs- oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's that that's that's more of a thing that I get affected by when it comes to movies and television. Yeah, like I get that. The big. Just the awkwardness. Yeah. I, I, I'll be sitting there in my room by myself, and I'll still have to skip something because it's I, just too awkward. I couldn't watch the – I've only seen the Joker one time, and I did not watch the scene when he did stand-up. I mm. couldn't watch it because it was horrible. Oh, I, you, you may remember it if, if you've I seen do, it. I do. You see it on Twitter quite often, the photo of him like <laughs> – Yeah. And I think any anything else uh, we want to talk about before we wrap up this episode, guys? We've talked about a lot I just of want to give a little anecdote since we're oh. talking about movies that make I've got us an cry. anecdote about about this movie that I'll wrap up with too. So Big Fish by Tim Burton. That's like oh. the only Tim Burton movie I really Whoa. like. Yeah. I was like, I had taken some medicine that night because oh, I was not feeling well, and I watched it, and like I cried like a baby. <laughs> like I was bawling, and I know it was the medicine that made me. I don't know what it was, what medicine it was, but. It got me. Man was off the purple drink, crying, <laughs> crying to the movie. Davis was on oxycotton watching the movie day. It was so, it's so sad, but like usually I probably would have just teared up. Maybe a, a tear would fall or two, but like I was like uncontrollable. Did, Car- did Carl the Giant really, uh, really have you feel when he's carrying his dad? Mm. Oh, that's so, I'm, so sad. I'm gonna dox my brother here for a second. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> so we his social security. <laughs> his credit card number is no. Um. So we watched Titanic together, just me and him. We were really, really young. And he'd never seen it before. And the very ending of this scene, uh, when when Jack dies, he cried for like an hour and a half <laughs> at the end of that movie. And like we had to go wait. Like it was before my parents had woken up. Like it was early in the morning, which is not the time you want to be watching Titanic. <laughs> like You nine, don't say. It's like nine or ten like nine in the morning, we're watching Titanic. And um he, we had to go wake up my mom, and my mom was like, "It's, it's not real. Like, it's a made-up story." But I mean, it kind of is real. Like that stuff happened. But I remember trying to console my brother for like an hour and a half over oh the ending gosh. of Titanic. Oh my god! How early was it? How, how early in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> it was like nine o'clock in the morning. That's not even that early. At least like, I, I was imagining like four in the morning, which no. is even funnier. No, 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 no. That's like, still but, funny. But. Okay, four would be different because you're like up at night, like you've already gone through your full day. Like this is the beginning of our day, starting off the day. With I bet his day Titanic. was terrible after that. Yeah, I can imagine. You're so sad. Oh my but it's like gosh. it's like a Saturday morning. Like you wake up, you're like, oh, there's no school today. Let's go watch TV and Titanic's on. I'm like, Have you seen this movie before? He's like, no, I haven't How seen old it. Was he? Shoot, he was probably like. I'd probably say like seven or eight. Oh, no. young, like young. First of all, seven or eight year olds should not be watching Titanic. I'm just saying. I don't know. Um, my there's, par- a, there's a whole drawn scene in there. You know, what I'm saying? my my parents were. Well, it was like a, it, the TV edited version. Oh, there's okay, not, okay, okay, okay. There's not any. I mean, what like on TNT or something? I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. But I don't know. I, my parents were very strict about me watching movies. Like when Star Wars Episode Three came out, I was so excited to see it, and. 
my parents didn't let me go because it was a PG-13 rated movie and I was like six when it came out. But then I got to watch that and then after that my parents just stopped caring about what kind of movies I watched. So. Yeah, that was that was my first PG-13 movie was, was uh, Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. And then two years later my dad thought it was a great idea on Christmas break to take me, age seven, and my brother who was eight – to go see I Am Legend in theaters. Ah. That movie, talk about nightmares, I was scared of that movie for like weeks. Dang. There is nothing scarier than zombies that only operate in the dark. I'm just saying. Just a vampire zombie. That's terrifying. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, that's still kind of creepy I to know. me now. And- I know. And my dad was like, great idea. He also like, a uh, whole lot of strange terms with my dad. But I'll end on this note, very heartwarming thing. If you guys want to see a heartwarming video, of course, for those who do know, Michael Clark Duncan tragically passed away of a complications from a heart attack on September 3rd, 2012, and he was age 54. Really wholesome video to watch is Tom Hanks giving the eulogy at his funeral. It is it's very sad, it's very emotional, but it's also hilarious, and Tom Hanks is great. I, the video's on YouTube somewhere. I saw it a few years ago. I'll Just, look into it. It's very heartwarming video. That and Billy Crystal's eulogy at Muhammad Ali's funeral both. I would say, honestly, I'm not going to say recommend watch eulogies, but those are both very funny and also very heartwarming from two uh Two great people talking about their friends. But that'll do it for this episode of Through the Lens where we talked about the Frank Darabont prison films, Shawshank Redemption, and The Green Mile. Will, we thank you very much for joining us on this episode Well, thanks of this for show. having me. I really appreciate it. Was it was great. Had great contributions. And again, you guys can check out Will's show, Why So Serious, at what time? Tuesdays at 5 p.m., so tomorrow night. Tomorrow night at 5 p.m., Tuesdays at 5 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. If you want to get some of my less serious takes, you can join in on that show. There you go. There you go. And again, we thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of Through the Lens. You can check out all things Weagle on Weagle's Instagram page, Weagle underscore AU, and you can follow our show's Instagram page, Through the Lens Weagle. That's through underscore the underscore lens underscore weagle on instagram for all updates about the show but we thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed it we will see you all next week when davis and i welcome jack hart back into the studio to discuss the back to the future trilogy we look forward to it and we hope we'll see you then